Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. She got in my arms. She loves flowers. And I was like, I'm so sorry. She has autism. She was like, she's fine. Well, on Oliver Plunkett Street in the middle of broad daylight, there's a group of young men just getting high. For somebody coming in off an ambulance trolley, I have found that we physically do not have enough trolleys. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 PJ I got something in the post for which I am very grateful. Um, I opened my post this morning and to find a naked picture of myself. Yes, I did. Yes, I absolutely did. Open my post this morning and there it is. In bright living colour. A naked picture of PJ Coogan. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. There it is. Vic is just looking at me going, what? And I'm very grateful because I've wanted to copy that picture for a very long time. Oh, I'll explain later. Good morning. Beautiful morning out there. Gorgeous morning. It was a lovely evening. I was driving home from Mallow uh, just at sunset last night and it was clearly the start, if not the middle of the Northern Lights display last night but the sunset, I don't know if you noticed it sort of on the road between Cork and Mallow sunset and twilight there was a kind of a peaky, purpley hue to sunset that I certainly haven't seen before in that part of the world anyway um, and that's Eugene, my pal Eugene Furlong was messaging me late last night to know had I seen it there was a bit of cloud blocking his view and then there was a big display I think about 3 o'clock this morning but certainly as I was driving back from North Cork last evening it would have been what time would it have been it would have been about 9 so it was sun was gone down it was kind of evening twilight and there was a lovely purpley orange pinkish hue in the sky and that does seem to have been the the Northern Lights of the start of the effect of the Northern Lights. We got some pictures sent in to us as overnight as well. We're, we're grateful for that. If you have pictures that you'd like to share, you can WhatsApp them to us at 083 396 96 96. We're not at all surprised by that lead story on the 9 o'clock news. I don't know whether you are. Uh, we knew this months ago, only it wasn't kind of officially written down, but it is now. The unit price for the electricity in Ireland is almost double the European average and has doubled for most households in the past year despite 
all those cost of living credits. The lowest in the EU, according to this survey, Household Energy Price Index, 9.2 cent per unit in Hungary. And we are paying 49.9 cent per unit per kilowatt hour. The EU average is 28.3. We're getting fleeced, lads. Fleeced. And what's been done about, okay, they gave us the credit and the credit was worthwhile and good to have it. But we have the most expensive electricity in the EU. And here's the weird thing. We're producing more of it now from sustainable sources like wind. Then, and wind didn't go up in price. I keep coming back to that. Wind didn't go up in price. Oh, survey just confirms what we already knew, I guess. But but there you go. 0818 96 96 96. The number of the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And the email is opinion at 96mm.ie. Another go off Snap, the app, by the way, between 10 and 11. I'll let you know when to send in your photos. So yesterday I spoke to Jason and Jason had an unpleasant experience on Easter Sunday night when he was going out with some friends and he went for a pint and he went into this pub. I was grateful to him for not naming the pub, although we do know which one it is. And he was with his four friends. The barman was willing to serve Jason's friends, but wouldn't serve him. Didn't even look up from pulling his point, Jason went to investigate it and he is given to believe now, he's given to believe that he was being discriminated against because he's a traveller and I also asked him, does he come across this a lot? And he said, unfortunately yes he does. As a young traveller, he he finds himself getting discriminated against in pubs all the time, that people ask for his ID, he's a young man, people ask for his ID and the minute they see his name they look at him and say, oh, not tonight, pal. And he feels that he's been discriminated against because he's a member of the travelling community. Samantha was listening to Jason and got in touch with us. Uh, you you be, you feel the same, Samantha? You, you agree totally with, with Jason, I think. Good morning. Oh, I definitely do a million percent because I've often had problems uh, myself. Um, do you know all the important things like family gatherings, like baby showers, christenings, you name it, you know where you just want to go back to the, to the pubs yeah. and you want to have a bit of food and a few drinks and just a little dance around with a bit of music. Yeah. And like, I mean, all that's been taken away from us. Now, PJ, I don't think it's very fair to be tearing everybody, every traveller anyway with the same brush to get me. You had a place you know, booked, now we're not going to mention any venues by name, but you, no, had, you had a place booked for next month. I won't mention names now, no. no. I, had a, I, I have a place booked, I had a place booked for next weekend, not weekend coming out next weekend, I have a double communion, right? Right. For two sick children, they're up and down to Crumlin, and I wanted to make their day as special as they are because, do you know why? Because, like, they fought to be in this world and they're still fighting today to be in this world. They need surgery, heart surgery, to keep them alive every four years, right? Yes. So I'm, I'm already stressed as it is with the children. I just wanted to give them the best day ever. I just wanted all families together, you know, just a bit of food, a few drinks. Yeah. And that's it, and then go home and get them to show off their lovely clothes. 
I had to play sports, right? And everything was fine. They asked me how many people was coming, and I told them, and I told them what kind of food we wanted, blah, blah, and then all of a sudden, two days later, they rang me back to say that they all day double booked, right? Mm-hmm. But what I did then, PJ, because I knew it was a bit fishy. What I done then was, I got a, a, a friend of mine who was a land traveler who rang the establishment, the place, right? Mm-hmm. And she pretended that it was, that it was going to be her granny's a surprise alias. And to have it early, so I came around the time I wanted it, right? Mm. Right? So they said, yeah, there should be no problem. There should be no problem. We have availability. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, they don't have availability for me all of a sudden, but they do know for this, uh, for, for this mock granny. Yeah. Do you get me? Yeah. So, like, I think they went to end in the hallmark or did somebody ring in? Do you get me? You, you felt, because Jason said that when people saw his I name. Feel, yeah, yeah. Discrimination at its finest. Now, I tell you one thing, um, PJ, if it was a different race and a different culture and everything like that, I don't think there'd be any problems with them. Hmm. But it all seems to be about travellers lately. It's it's illegal it is, for, for a venue to it, refuse it a booking a, on the basis of a person being a traveller. It is illegal. And you know what bugs me, PJ? They're all crying out for um, business. They're all crying out for money to keep the premises open and everything like that. There's money going to be spent. You know, it's going to be no trouble. If we're not a troublesome family, yeah. you know, there's going to be money spent, like, and, if, and and at the end of the day, it's for children. How can people do that to children is beyond me. You know, it's actually sickening. I'm two weeks now to the communion. I am stressed out of my head that I actually have no venue. Have you it's tried other like places? I've tried everywhere. I've sat in the car and I'm going around and around. I'm ringing left, right, and centre, and they, it's just, I'm getting nowhere. I'm absolutely getting nowhere. You believe I just it's look, I do. I believe it's all down to discrimination. I really do, and I know it's illegal. And I think that boy Jason is so right. He is his so right, like, and many people will agree with me. Hmm. The most worst thing about it is, it's the shame. It's the shame of it. You're going into pubs. Everybody's sitting down, they're all looking at you coming in the doors, and then they're looking at you then being refused, and you're going back out the doors. Mm. Like, you're nearly crying going out the doors, like, you know, and you're just, you're going around in circles with it all the time, like, and it's just, it's not one bit fair, like. Yeah. There seems to be more of it out there than we would have thought. There's a lot more to it, BJ. Like, I mean, there, there really is, like. Yeah. And the way that the boy Jason spoke, like, he spoke very, very well. I give him that. And everything he said is one million percent. And even at that, there's probably more to it. Like, they're looking, as he said, they're looking at your passport. They're looking at your name. And then they're saying, sorry, not tonight. You could be blood sober going up to the door. You might even have had a drink on you. And then all of a sudden, no, sorry, not tonight. You're too drunk. Sorry, not tonight. So there's always an excuse, BJ. Yeah. There's always an excuse, but basically, like, they're just looking at your name. Do you think you will get a venue for that event of yours in a couple of weeks? I don't think so, no. No, no, no. 
No, it's the 6th of May is our communion. I don't think I'm getting a venue. No, I'm not the only person. Oh, pretty, pretty well, there's loads of places booked out at this stage. Yeah, I know they are booked out, but there is some places that told me there was availability. And when I ring them back, there's no availability. Yeah. When I call into them, there's no availability. Like, it's just, it's unacceptable. It's just all unacceptable, like. Like, my children now, they're very special. They're the first Holy Communion. Like, we're holy, holy people. And, like, it's a big thing for us. We just want the kids to run around, have fun, enjoy their day. And that's it. That's it, like. You know, if they don't want the business, they don't want the business. It's a serious problem that's happening. You know, if it's a different race and a different culture and everything like that, there would be uproars over it, BJ. And you know what? I'm just sick and tired of it all. I I really am. Samantha, take care. Have a good day, yeah? All right, my love. And you too. And thanks very much for speaking to me, PJ. No problem. No problem, Samantha. Thank you for making the call. 0818 96 96 96. I have a friend, says Kate, who is a traveller. You should see her house. It's spotless. The businesses can be very short-sighted because they put on good shows for their events and they pay in cash. They almost never argue over the price either. That woman has every right to access places. The same places are probably making a big deal about not being racist, yet they're and, and engaging in cultural diversity. Well, it is travelling community membership. Of the travelling community is one of the seven legal grounds. There are seven, I think, unless they've added more to them. But certainly there were seven on which you cannot refuse someone access to a premises or you cannot refuse to let someone book something in a premises just on the basis of them being members of the travelling community. So, And again, I, I, I'm grateful to Samantha for not naming venues, even though we do know the name of the venue that uh, she was involved with. Some travel news for you. There are rocks on the Balancholic Bypass they seem to have fallen onto the road, presumably off a vehicle, truck or some kind. Drive with caution. Actually, on the road to Mallow last night, heading up, I was heading up to Mallow for an 8 o'clock appointment, and there was a lot of debris on the road, um, just there around the, around the junction for Carrig Navarre, as if someone had burst a tyre or something. It was, it was, you'd come across it, like, very quickly. John, John in Cove wants to know what pub I was in before I saw the beautiful sunset. Nothing but clouds. Hard luck on you, John, because as I drove to Mallow, as I said, for an 8 o'clock appointment, I had my sunglasses on. There was a lovely, lovely sunset. But no, it was as I was coming back, which would have been around the 9 o'clock mark, it was not so much a sunset. By then, of course, sun was gone well down. But it was a beautiful kind of pink, some kind of a variation between pink and purple and orange hue in the in the twilight sky. That's what I saw. <laughs> Thank you, John. 0818-96-96-96. Another 500 euro winner yesterday with Snap the App. A lucky day for for Leah. It's my mother's 50th birthday this weekend. This weekend. You're all off to Killarney. Is there a gang of you going? Uh, 30. 30 of you going to Killarney? <laughs> oh yeah, I had to drag them all in. <laughs> well, I think you've just won the Best Daughter in the World award and Elaine is about to have a very good 50th birthday because, Leah, you are now 500 euro richer. Oh, yay. Thank you so much. I'm absolutely delighted with that now. Thank you. 
It could be you after 10. If you haven't got the app, download it now. And we look for your screenshots between 10 and 11 on Snap the App on Cork's 96 FM. Do you get on well with the kids? I do. <laughs> do they, do, do they get on with you? <laughs> do they like you? Sometimes. Jeremy, do you love your mummy? Uh, not too much. You know why? <laughs> See, I knew. I knew there's something, there's something going on in this house. Amazing. <laughs> what, what's going on? Why do you not love your mummy too much? Because she shouts and roars. Oh, oh my God. God. The home truths are coming out now. Yeah, right. she, she only does that because you won't put your shoes on. Probably. No. Is it because, no. You, is it because you wear your underpants on your head? No. 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 Lads, you're all going to Thunderland. <laughs> I can't believe you said shouting and roaring on the street. That's your job. Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Andrew was on. He was mentioning that, yeah, yesterday, Andrew, you're right, we were talking about Starlings and other birds. What about the woodpecker and the fact that there are woodpeckers back in Ireland now? And you'll hear them in in the woodlands. Talking to Niall Hatch from Birdwatch Ireland. Andrew says, I couldn't help notice his name was Mr. Hatch. Yeah, it's called, there's a name for that. There's a word, there's a word for everything. There's a word for that. If your name sounds like what you do or has a direct connection to what you do, it's called an aptronym. Aptronym, AP, there's a, t- there's a table quiz question for you. It's called an aptronym. If your name is very suitable to what you do for a living, there's probably a list of them somewhere. Actually, can anybody, there's, there's a thing. Do you know of anybody who does a job that's very like their name? Eh? 0818-969696, an aptronym. There's a word you didn't know this morning when you were making your tea. Now, this survey has come out, it's quite an extensive survey. 21,000 students were surveyed by the Higher Education Authority. That is what they call, in any man's language, a pretty decent sample size. And they found that one-third of them, one-third of the students they surveyed, are under serious financial strain, with rent being the biggest problem. Sinead Roach is from the Students' Union at UCC. It is a very large, very broad sample size, Sinead, which means we can rely on these findings. Hello. Hi, Sinead. How are you? Hi. I'm Hi. good. How are you? Good. I was saying it is a very large sample size, which means these are figures we can place a lot of stock in. Yes, I completely agree. Um, it's good to know 21,000 students is a huge sample size, and this data is really, really important, especially in the current climate that we're in. So the kind of things that they found, go through them for me. Yeah, so one of the big things for us is that we know that increasing number of students are now facing serious financial difficulties. This is something that students unions across the country um, has been talking about for many years now, but especially this year. Um, we see, like the survey showed us that 57% of full-time students um, are working during their term time. Um And a lot of these students aren't on living wage. They're working for minimum wage. Um, We're also seeing that, as you said, a third of the students are facing financial strain. Um, But this is 33% of the total student population are experiencing very serious financial problems. Mm. Um, 
And, you know, you said rent was one of the biggest um, factors, which is completely true. We're seeing that rent is averaging at 469 euro. This is an increase um, from 415 euro. Um, and, and Sinead, sorry, would that be actual student accommodation or, or the places they're living around the college area? Would it be the official so, student accommodation? So that would be um, renting student um, houses. Um, student accommodation would be a lot higher. Really? Um, we, we, we've seen over the last two years luxury student um, accommodation popping up. Um, these are privately owned. Um, this isn't public, publicly owned student accommodation. Um, this is privately owned. Mm. Um, and we're seeing in Cork that these can, you know, rise up to about nine grand a year for students. And that isn't for the 12 months. That is only for the term time. Mm, which is about nine months. So that's about a thousand a month. About nine months. Yeah, about nine months. Right. About a yeah, so for about a thousand a month. Right. Where are people finding that money, Sinead? Well, you know, just from my own personal experience, um, I when I was a student, um, I took out 16 grand for my accommodation for the three years I was in college. Um, and that was when accommodation was about five and a half grand. Mm. Um, I started college in 2018. We've seen with inflation, this has risen significantly. Um, students are having to take out loans um, from credit union um, or they are relying on that, you know, their family. But you know, everyone is facing, everyone is um, being affected by the cost of living crisis, including their families. So that is affecting students as well. Mm. Now, when I went to college, and it's not yesterday, but we all had a bit of work in the evenings. You, you attended yeah. bar, you washed glasses in the old college bar. I was lucky. I did a bit of DJing on the side, so I was okay. But <laughs> how many people now would have a job as well as trying to study full time? So the survey showed us that 57% of the full-time students work during term time. So there'll be a lot of students who would work, you know, during the summers or Christmas and um, would save up. Um, but we have to know as well, when people, when students are working, this is affecting their SUSE grant as well. Okay, now explain um, that for me, Sinead, because that's one I wouldn't have known. Okay, so with so I was someone who would have received full SUSE as well, and there's a lot of students who do, um, you know, based on their family situation or their financial situation. Um, but with the SUSE grant, you can only work up to a certain amount of hours for the year, or else your grant will be affected. So this is affecting students I as see. well. Um, and one of the big things that we've been really fighting for um, within the National Student Union, but also with ourselves in UCC, is really push pushing for the living wage. Um, because students are getting paid what they deserve either. Um, but also this is reflected that SUSE, which is the grant um, system for students, it needs to be reformed. It isn't reflective on inflation. Um, it isn't reflective on what's actually happening for students at the moment. Um, because look, like it's always known that, you know, students um, have to save and budget during their time as a student. But mm -hmm. we are really at that breaking point where when we're having accommodation costs this isn't about oh a bit of money on the side for you know student life um which is a huge part of the student experience you know we see that with societies and clubs this is just for students to feed themselves and yeah. students to be able to live in accommodation because susie won't feed you you live on noodles if all you have is is, is susie but just come back to that point Sinead, because i think a lot of people wouldn't know this so you get the yeah. susie grant because you're entitled to the susie grant and then you get a couple of yeah. hours work and i'm going to think off the top of my head that tesco that's up there just up the road from the college they're they're always looking for people you get a few hours yeah. there after how many hours do they start looking at your grant so if we look at, with the with the Susie grant, I, I'm at, for myself. I remember when I so I would have received full Susie. So that's the highest you can get. How much is that? Which was then? about 
so from when I remember from from my time, which was about two years ago when I finished, because um, I'm on the students' union now, so I work full time. But that would have been about six hundred and twenty-three. Um, I'm pretty sure, but that wouldn't even that would just cover your rent. That's a month. Um, yeah. currently, yeah, but that's if you get like the full full Susie. That's Gosh. when that's the top. A lot like that's very rare. The students receive that. Hundred and fifty quid a week. Were, yeah, that's only if that, that's when, you know, that was me who received that also taking out a student loan, when I, that, which I was paying €250 Euro back a month. That's €250 Euro gone out of the loan, out of the grant. Mm. Um, you know, there's a lot of, bar- like, also electricity prices have gone up. Sure. With Susie, anyway, um, I actually don't know the official figure. I must have a look online how much you can work. But I remember when I used to work during the summers, um, I could only work up to a certain amount of hours during the week until they would until it would affect my grant. That's that's not um, really fair, is but it? it? Yeah. Well, it's it's not because people that are receiving Susie, this isn't this is the student who's struggling. This is a student usually who has, you know, one parent or a parent who isn't working. So there isn't that financial support at home. Um you know, not a lot of people get Susie as well, but the students that do, it's not it's not fit for purpose. Um it's not covering the cost that they need. I see. Especially then when they're worrying about working hours because it might affect their grant. Yeah. Um, and this is just all feeding into the problem that, you know, it's not that students, all oh, students lazy and they don't want to work. It's not that at all. It's, you know, we've seen it from, from, the, from the report. It says that fi- like the 57% that are working full time, um, they're also having 17 hours per week in education. Um, and then 69% of those who are working during term time are working during their lecture free period. Um, that's still giving about 31% of students that are probably working while their lectures are going on. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is affecting them. So they're, they're losing out. You can't burn the candle at, at both ends, as they say, Sinead. Yeah, Just they're losing on the, out. The, This survey also looked at the effect of the pandemic years. What did it find? Yeah. Um, so it found, the one thing that it brought up especially that we would have um, – looked into as the mental health challenges that would have been brought for students, mm-hmm. um, which would have been, you know, increased by COVID itself as well. Um, and it's showing that is mental health is having a significant challenge for students. And this is feeding from the pandemic as well. The way students are learning, the way they have to um, be in college, it's being affected as well. Yeah, yeah. Going online was difficult, a lot more difficult, even though many yeah. students would be digital natives, Sinead, going, going yeah. fully online for them was difficult we, yeah i like i would have done my like 50 percent of my degree was done during covid mm-hmm. um which is you know crazy to think about looking back now um and you know i've been very lucky to be involved with students unions so seeing the transition for students um but we're social creatures you know we the whole point of college it's it's, it's yeah. the college experience that meeting new people um you know so many more students are going to college now and being able to contribute to student life, you know, it's it's a it's students yeah. are really con- contributing yeah. um, to society part, part, and also learning from each other. A huge part of being in college is growing as a person. You can't grow 100%. as a person if you're on your own. Yeah, and that was it. That was a huge struggle. And yes, you know, young people, we are, you know, also with with college students, it isn't always the typical eighteen to twenty three year old going students. There are mature students. There are post grad students. There's a huge wide range of students. We have. 24,000 students just in UCC. Um, you know, there was also mature students and postgrads, etc., who were involved in that as well. Mm. Um, even undergrads as well. So there's um there was a, there's a huge wide population. But coming out of COVID, it, it's it's been great to see that students coming together. Yes. But it is also really highlighting the struggles that a student accommodation are having. Yeah. Um, 
actually currently in UCC, we've just launched um, a cost of living survey. Um, we're in, we're, we've just launched it in collaboration with the Cork University Business School and the Access Office in UCC. Um, and it's actually going to be one of the first high level academic surveys of its type in Ireland. And it's going to be open for two weeks. So we're encouraging UCC students to fill that out okay. as well. Okay. Um, so we can really see, you know, you can't make change without data. You know, like every decision that is made is informed by data, yeah. well, um, which is really needed for policy. There's a, there's a bunch making. of data here in this in this particular yeah, which survey. Is incredible. So, so, what's the next yeah. step with this now, Sinead? Well, the next step for well for us um, in the students' union. Um, Obviously, we're focusing on this survey now. It's it's great to have the HA data as well. We're hoping that also when the survey data comes out from this, it's very reflective and it's very um it's you know comparable that it, that we're seeing alignment. Um, but you know, I think the next step is we need to continue talking about it. This is the reality of the situation for students. And the one thing I would say, um, just from being in you know being a student and being in the student movement for quite a long time, so people are being aware of it. They are becoming um, apparent to the fact that students are struggling. We're going to hit August. And, you know, that's when the accommodation um, struggles are really brought to brought to light mm-hmm. for students mm-hmm. again. Um, it's not getting any better. We're not seeing improvements coming. Um, you know, accommodation is rising. Um, students are still pe- like students will go and work for the summer. They're getting paid min- minimum wage. But then they're expected to pay how much for electricity, how much for rent, yeah. how much for food. It's not it's not um, compar- it's not um, it's not affordable for students yeah. um, and, and they're going to continue struggling. And I think what would not have been known to a lot of people before our conversation, Sinead, would be you, you'll get your grant, but once if you do a bit of work then your your grant gets your grant yeah. gets cut back and, and, and I and think a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't have known that. Yeah. And there's a lot of students who deserve the grant who wouldn't get it. Um, you know, getting Susie isn't necessarily an easy process. Um, there are there are barriers to it. Those who get Susie have to have a certain criteria. Um and those who are getting it need it. It's not oh they're just getting a grant to get a grant. It's because they need the grant. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just pre- presenting more barriers for students okay. um, as well. Okay, I'll come at you another day, and I'm sure we'll talk again, Sinead Roach of the UCC Students Union. That is a very sizable survey. Anyone who lives and dies by surveys will tell you that a survey of twenty one thousand people gives you a lot of very useful data. Uh, Sinead Roach of UCC Students Union, thank you. There's traffic choked up from Corraheen all the way to the tunnel exit. So is that from Corraheen in across the link road there until you leave to go to the, oh my god, thank you for that John. I'd hate to be stuck in it. We have lots of people with aptronyms. Yeah, there is a thing as well called um, nominative determinism. I won't even go, well I will go into that that's if you inadvertently or otherwise seek a job or go look for a job that suits your name but an aptronym is where your name suits your job it's all look it's table quiz stuff uh, the warden of the board yes the, the warden of the board observatory on Cape Clear is a man called Steve Wing that's from Connor thank you uh, my brother dropped an old 90s stereo God, there's a word from the past on his foot. We had to take him to a podiatrist to get the toenail removed. The podiatrist's name was Dr. Butcher. <laughs> what about a librarian called Mrs. Page? I'll come back to them. They're amusing. Yeah, a librarian called Mrs. Page. I like that one. A jeweler on Instagram whose last name is Ringgold. <laughs> a person who worked in the hospital laboratory. Her last name was Blood.
My childhood dentist was a Dr. Needleman. A gastroenterologist. I went to him for stomach pain. His name was a- Mr. A. King. I see. And a home economics teacher called Mrs. Baker. They're all coming in on the phones. Some of the most famous ones. Here's the one, like that South African golfer. Now he's fairly elderly now, but he's still involved in the game. Gary Player. Um, there was a senior executive at Starbucks by the name of Rosalind Brewer. There was a very famous wine journalist and sommelier, wine taster. Her name was Emily Wines. These are all these are all true. But who would have known two... Yeah, well, the, the man who invented the toilet bowl. Yeah? His name was Thomas Crapper. Thomas Crapper. That is true. That is true. There was a surgeon called Dr. Richard Chopper. He specialised in vasectomies. I'm not joking you. But the best of all, I mean, you couldn't make it up like Usain Bolt. Snap the app on Cork's 96FM is your ticket to free money. Free money. You've won it. 500 euro is yours. Oh my God, thank you so much. I'm actually going on holiday tomorrow, so it'll be you. It was my first day back at work after maternity leave, so I need something to cheer me up now. You've won 500 euro. Oh my God, thank you so much. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, what a day. Step one. Download the Quirks 96FM app to your phone. Step two. Snap a screenshot. Step three. What's up in to win? What's up in to win? Stay listening from 6am weekdays for your chance to play. Take me where you are. Snap the app. To win free money. We've still got thousands to give away. On Cork's 96FM. If you're into Formula One racing or even motorsport in general, I'm sure you wouldn't argue with me if I said to you that Michael Schumacher was the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And so tragically, in December of 2013, I remember being here the day the news broke. What an awful story. He suffered severe head injuries in a skiing accident. And the poor devil hasn't spoken since. And for much of the years since then, he has been in a medically induced coma, such as the severity of his injuries. He's alive, he's at home, he's maintained by a medical team. But that injury was the end of him, really. Um which made it very surprising and shocking, in fact, that a German magazine called Die Actuell, the news I'm assuming it translated, said last week he was publishing an interview with uh, Michael Schumacher. The first interview since he suffered severe injuries in that accident. And it produced an article that was full of quotes from uh, Michael Schumacher. That was the front page. Inside, it said, oh, this wasn't really an interview at all. It was written by a chat bot and the answers were generated by artificial intelligence. Now, I think an editor has since been fired and I think the magazine may have even apologised. I'm not sure about that bit. But I'm joined by Dr. Joel Wamsley of the UCC Department of Philosophy, his deputy head there. Joel, you've been saying that this is an example of how careful we need to be about what is out there about us in publicly accessible media because things like this can happen. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It's good to talk to you. Yeah. this. I was quite shocked that somebody would do this. I would at least have thought they'd have gotten the okay from his family, which they didn't. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, the, there's the, the the moral problem, I suppose, is just a straightforward case of deception, both with respect to their audience and and the family of of Schumacher, um, who would obviously be terrifically upset to see this kind of thing happening. But I suppose um, what it does illustrate is the kind of capacity for doing this sort of thing that we now have available to us, given the recent rapid developments of artificial intelligence technologies. Yeah, like if you take something like chat GPT, which we've talked about recently, somebody put I somebody put my name into that and asked it for a thousand words, and you would be. It was actually quite scary what it found. Right. Yeah. I mean, chat GPT obviously is the the thing that lots of people are familiar with um, most recently. Um, and I suppose what's particularly striking about it is just how sophisticated it is in the sense that it's very hard to tell in many cases that the output it's giving uh, hasn't come from another human being, but has in fact been generated um, by by an AI. I suppose uh, what's also striking is that it's so widely available, right? This sort of thing um, in, in terms of AI systems, both for image manipulation and text manipulation and so on, used to only be available to experts, experts right? You have to had to know something about computer science to be able to do these kinds of things. But the fact that it's available to anyone and out there on the web means that um, anyone can also use it, in some cases for good things, but um, as we saw in the, the Schumacher case, um, in some cases for, for bad things. Yeah. And when you couple that with the fact that people are also willing to um, provide so much data about themselves, either on social media or, or online in various ways, that means that the kind of information AI systems need to, to generate these you know, deep fakes or, or, or artificial conversations is also widely available and um, can, can then get used um, in, in some cases for nefarious purposes, yeah. yeah. I mean, the range of what AI allows us to do and will in the future allow us to do is vast. But like you say, the nefarious reasons that someone could use it. We all do need, I think, do we, Joel, to be exceptionally careful from here on in of what we share and particularly the digital natives among us, the younger people who share everything. Well, that's right. I mean, it's certainly the case that um, the, when we're willing to, to share lots of information, both, you know, the written word and images and in some cases videos about ourselves, you know, we, we, we provide information on the basis of which AI systems can, can generate new content, right? The, the G in chat GPT stands for generative. So that the, the worry here is that um, it, it can generate things and attribute them to you, including videos or pictures or texts um, that you didn't actually say yourself. Um, so we, it's something we should be cautious about. I mean, I think it, it is actually something that um, people who, as you call them, you, you know, digital natives, people who've grown up with this technology um, are more alert to. Although cases like um, the, the Michael Schumacher case and, you know, we've, we've heard a lot about deep fake video. And, and photographs and so on recently, they've sort of drawn them, drawn drawn attention to this fact. So, you know, although the cases are horrible, the fact that they've become widely known means that at least people are starting to become aware of the um, the risks associated with sharing this much data. I wonder, do ourselves. they, that's the thing that's with, right. the, with the natives, particularly Gen Z, Joel, do they actually care? Well, uh, I think that, I'm, you know, it's hard for me to say, I'm, uh, but I, I think... 
people are, are aware of it and do worry in certain respects. I think it's going to um, it's going to become increasingly apparent, um, especially as I say with with uh, the most recent developments in AI. ChatGPT is sort of fairly recent; it's only in the last five or six months that it's come about. Um, I suppose last summer we had um, that that AI system called Dolly, which was an image generating AI program. So um, I, it, I it wouldn't be surprising, I think, if people started to be a little bit more careful. And to a certain extent, we also see that reflected in more recent legislation and regulation about these kinds of things. You know, the GDPR regulation, heightened awareness of, you know, data privacy laws and so on. Um, people are starting to become aware of it um, much more generally. That's right. I think it's still a little bit of a legal grey area, though, yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing with, with the Schumacher interview, come back to that on the legal area. Like, I, right. I was, what, what shocked me most, I think, having been a fan of Schumacher in his time and a great admirer of the man, was not that, not that it was done, and not that it could be done even, but that they felt right. it okay to do it without telling his family. That's unethical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and that's unethical in a way that's not um, special to the novel developments yes, in right. AI. You're right. Um, I suppose one thing we could say. I mean, so one of the things I, I work on and uh, and I teach in in UCC is the ethics of artificial intelligence. And in many cases, the things that we think of that we we're now more alert to as ethical problems associated with AI are actually old-fashioned ethical problems. They're questions about trust and bias and responsibility and deceit and that sort of thing. Um, which have been with us, you know, for as long as humankind has been around. But I suppose artificial intelligence is a, a technologically supercharged way of, um, you know, behaving in the same bad ways that we always have, but more efficiently in a certain sense. There's an interesting ethical question, actually, um, that I wanted to put to you. You know, the way they did compile that from uh, Michael Schumacher, that was out there. They fed off what was out there. If I publish sure. something using AI from what is already out there and was already said, what ethics am I breaching? Right. Well, if you portray it as your own words, uh, that would be an instance of deceit. Um, so, you know, whether whether it's compiled on the basis of information that's already out there or not, what's, what's really problematic is um, pretending that you came up with it. Um, yeah. Obviously, in the university sector, in education, um, lots of people are worrying currently about whether students might use these kinds of AI systems to, to write their essays yes. or to, to pass off um, AI-generated content as their own work. And um, what, what one might say in that case, and this is, as I say, this is an instance where this has always been in the regulations, passing off someone else's work or something else's work as your own um, has always been something that's been um, frowned upon and forbidden. So in that sense, um, it, you know, it's nothing new. What's the, ch the challenge is that um, the AI systems are so good at it that it's increasingly hard to tell mm -hmm. um, whether, whether that's being done. No, that um, so that's why I say I think that... Oh, sorry, go on. That, that magazine did say, no, not on page one, but it did say that right. the interview had been written by a chat. But does that get them off the hook? Well, I mean, if they admit to it a little bit later on, you know, on page seven of the magazine or halfway through the article, I mean, then, you know, that, that does reveal what they've really been up to. I mean, I suppose the reason, one reason that, one additional reason that we might frown upon it is that it's sort of straightforwardly an attempt to sell more copies. Um, and I think that one of the things we often, you know, feel is 
a moral worry is that when people pull these stunts in the pursuit of profit, right? Mm -hmm. I think one of the other worries that people have about the the development of um, the most recent powerful AI systems is that in many cases it's being done by private companies um, whose interests often are about the bottom line and the interests of their shareholders rather than the ethical interests that um, concern most of us. So in the case of the magazine, they did it to sell more copies. In the case of these many online things, we, we see things, people, people are looking for more clicks. And so an additional worry about all of these um, contemporary developments in AI is precisely whose hands the technology happens to be in. And in many cases, again, it's an old fashioned motive. Um, these things are used for the pursuit of profit in many cases. All right. right. Leave it there. Thank you for being with us, Dr. Joel Walmsley, who is the Deputy Head of the UCC Department of Philosophy. The message here is be careful what you share. Now, for some people, it's way too late, but be careful what you share because AI can hoover it up and generate something like that. 0818969696. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 25th to 27th to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. You made me feel. You can host a coffee break, fill a change collector box, or support your favourite sport on Jersey Day. And we're always open to fun new ways to fundraise. So get planning now. Get planning now. The Giving for Living Radiothon, supporting Cork Cancer Services, May 25th to 27th. You feel Only on Cork's 96FM The minds are live Hello Join the conversation Call 0818 969 96 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan Cork's 96FM No, Bernie, that's not what it was. I told you when we kicked off this morning just after the nine o'clock news that someone had sent me, and I was delighted to get it, a naked picture of me through the post. I got it this morning, opened it up, and there it was, a naked picture of the Coogan in the post, and I was delighted to get it. And Bernie says, was it when I was a wee baby? No, it wasn't, Ber. I wonder if anybody can guess. Why would I be delighted to receive a naked photograph of myself in the post? <laughs> Stop it. I know, I know. 0818 96 96 96. I'm almost certain John will have a theory here. But anyway, let's kick off the next part of the programme by looking back at the events of the week and John making a point about the monk. Uh, Jerry Hutch, because the newspapers still have plenty on him today. The Irish Daily Mail says the Gardaí launch investigation into the claim that a GSOC member attended the Hutch party. We had that one yesterday. A member of GSOC, the Garda Shikona Ombudsman Commission, resigned his job because he had been at a party the night that Jerry Hutch was found not guilty in the special criminal court. The Irish Daily Mirror also have it on the front page. The alarm has been raised because the official involved had access to the Pulse database, key information. They are Gardaí now investigating it because GSOC are not guards. That's something you mightn't know, but it's worth knowing. GSOC are not guards. The Irish Daily Star asks the question on his front page. Uh, who's soiree now which is a good headline Gardaí's watchdog asks force to probe them 
over the batch. So in other words, the GSOC has been asked to investigate what happened here. Uh, and it's in the other papers as well, but on the inside pages. But anybody that I've spoken to since the acquittal uh, at the Special Criminal Court of Gary Hutch last week on a charge of murder um, is wondering just how does a guy like that get to be so high profile in his own part of Dublin? What I mean by that is in the area of inner city Dublin that he comes from and reporter after reporter will agree with me here, he is a small god. He is a local hero of that part of Dublin. John, you think that some of the glorification of the man over the past week has been has been distasteful. Now, before I ask you to talk about it, just bear in mind for a second, he has been acquitted of murder, and we must accept that as the verdict of the court. Good morning. Good morning, Joseph. On the photograph, two words, a spencer tunic, am I right? Oh, John, you're too good. <laughs> you're too good. <laughs> That's a wild bat now, isn't it? <laughs> You're too good, fella. Go on anyway. I'll explain it to people later on. Um, yeah. yeah. So, b- bearing in mind that Jerry Hodge is now deemed to be innocent of murder by this well, special if, criminal if court. I, if I had been on that jury, I would have acquitted uh, Hodge. Well, it wasn't uh, a jury, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, to, uh, what played out. Uh, I, like, or if there had been a jury, I'd say, I, and it was up to the, the people, I would have acquitted him on the evidence uh, of the, the lack of credibility of the man Dodal. Mm. I mean, let's be honest, we are not going down there. Well, that's what happened but, with the Special Criminal Court. They well, did. They, they said they, they couldn't they, accept they, that they evidence. Had, yeah, well, I mean, he, he settled for a lesser plea, like, I mean, which was, to me, was obnoxious completely. Like, I mean, it's like a lot of the supergrasses in the north of Ireland. I mean, they were up to the right balls and mm. everything going. And, you know, yeah. their word was taken and people were sent to jail. What I think bothers no. you most, though, is what you call the hero worship of Jerry yeah, this is it. I mean, like, it's an indictment, I suppose, in society and decades of government, PJ, like, I mean, that working class areas, like, I mean, right around the country, north of the border, south of the border, have been kind of left behind. That people look to the likes of Jerry Hutch as a kind of modern day Robin Hood. So, what does that say about society? What does it say about successive governments, right? But, like, when I saw this stuff up here on Facebook, well done, Jerry, good man, Jerry, Jerry's a legend, Jerry's a hero. I mean, do they realize, I mean, that this man, like, I mean, was a criminal. I mean, he was up to his eyeballs in criminality. He made a massive settlement with the revenue commissioners. Oh, they Bill gotten games, as we all know. But the whole thing about it is that, like, this hero worship. And again, this gets back to a lot of the tabloid papers over the years, where they almost built these guys up, like, I mean, to be folk heroes, like the monk, the penguin, the general, you know, all these characters, they mm. all had names, like they were on every Sunday and certain papers. Well, the, well right? the reason they had names, John, was that for many years you couldn't publish their names because they'd accuse you of defaming them. Yes, and they had know. no, yeah. and they, many of them didn't have convictions. So yeah. if you published their names, you were in trouble. Yeah, but in a roundabout way, then you see that backward because they're almost getting cold stasis, then, you know, built them up as they were almost superhuman, they were almost untouchable. And it took the murder of a very young woman, a wife and a, and, and, and a mother, and the nearest jewel carriage room, broad daylight, to kickstart the whole cab Brown, and everything yeah. else that went with it, which was an absolute disgrace. These guys should have been. Look. Well, she, was the, she was the woman, and along with. Um, Paul Williams, who struck fear into them, but she started it. Well, she didn't do it. I mean, she was, she, was, she was very brave, but at the same time, as well, some people say maybe she put herself in mortal danger in the end, but I mean, that doesn't excuse what happened to the woman. No, it doesn't. But the whole thing about it is that, like, this, this worship, like, 
I mean, if we all went out and we all robbed and didn't walk over the SPG, like, and took these way out, and I robbed what you had, you robbed what I had, we'd have, we'd have a kind of a, a ridiculous society. I mean, nobody could live. Nobody could go to sleep. They'd be minding their cars and their property and whatever. And, like, the people looking up to Hutch. Like, my father, like, I mean, I remember in the late 50s, he lost his wages, and it caused absolute devastation in our house. And he had to get credit in the local shop, and it took months to sort all that out in the house survey. But the point being is, my father didn't go out and to make up that loss of his wages and rob something off somebody else. Mm. And like, this is whole society has changed now that they no look have, is an enjoyment in governments, an enjoyment society itself, the lack of the Catholic Church, maybe, that people don't believe as much as they did. But I mean, like, to actually be looking up to this guy, like, mm. and honestly, well, being a folk hero. Well, a man that you, I'm, I'm sure you have as much respect for as I have, John, Father Peter McVerry was oh, asked about this many yeah. years ago, and he said yeah. that when you grow up in certain parts of certain places, like where Jerry mm. Hodge grew up in Dublin, by the age of eight or nine, you realise there's nothing there for you. you well, that, that's, that's the problem. And you, you start to, mean, you, yeah. you start, and, and, Peter wasn't excusing it. He was saying, this is why it starts. They have nothing. Well, that's the indictment, as I say, on successive governments. Like and people are still being left behind today. We've seen it, like, I mean, there are what's happening out there. They're still being left behind. And, like, is it any wonder then that people like this do emerge? But when they do emerge, then it's just like, I mean, as I said, they almost hero worship them by people. They know that, they are, that they've turned to criminality. And the point I'm making, if we all turned to criminality, what kind of a society would we have? Like, how could we live in a society like that if we all became robbers mm. and criminals? Mm. You know, it's a sad reflection. So are, are you uh, suggesting, for example, that the media should now let it go and, and not, not cover Hutch? Well, I mean, it's obviously they're going to keep chasing him because, I mean, you know, he's a mock man as regards the Kinnahans. I mean, he's the box office as regards, like, I mean, reporting on gangsters, criminals and whatever. So, I mean, that will continue. And, That's uh, again. And it sells papers, John. That's that's yeah, it, spade, spade It's here. amazing before they go there. I was approached by a member of Gardy last week to, to tell you how demoralised the guards are. No, not because they'd asked me. But the fact is, like, I mean, they're determined to, to the civilian population to know what we organise a protest in favour of them what, and what, how what, they're what? treated and their conditions. T- tell me more, John. Tell me more. I know they're not happy. The GRA is meeting this week in the west they're, of Ireland they're not, and no, they're not no. happy and the AGSI isn't happy yeah. either. And, and this whole GSOC thing hasn't helped over no, the weekend. No. And that, that deserves a separate investigation, obviously, like yeah. I mean, because we can't do GSOC. But who asked you to join a protest for them, John? Well, there the are two girls, one in particular, like, and he said that, look, so, we're so disillusioned. He said, like, I mean, I know, he said, you organise a lot of stuff down to the years. He said, would you consider, he said, like, do something for us, he said, because obviously they can't do it. And uh, he said, but just highlight to me what's happening. I mean, the attacks on Gardaí, I mean, the physical attacks on yes. Gardaí, yes. the conditions they're working under, the lack of personnel, that they want to be patrolling the streets of Cork, but there's not enough numbers there, like, and, and it's all political, because the, the people in Dublin are just not listening, simple yeah. as that. So, I mean, what did girl, you say? What did you, I, I, you're obviously not going to name the guard to me, but, no, but no. what did you say? Well, I said, look, I mean, I have a chat amongst a few of my colleagues and we'll see what we can do. Like, I mean, if, if somebody's approaching me like that, I mean, and they're, they're, they're almost desperate to know they want the civilian population you know, to almost go and organize some form of protest for the Gardaí. Is this where we've landed? 
Yeah. What does this? What does that say to you, in all fairness? Do you think you'd get much support if you organised a march down in Don Square or started a protest down in Don Square in support of the Gardaí, John? I, I think, I think, as I say, left to con, con, consult a, a few more guys. But the thing is, I think people would run behind you because I think people are frightened. No, they're frightened. I know people, Peter, you know, they won't come into town during the day anymore. And they certainly won't come into town at night time. Mm. And I've always spoken about that. I said, you, there's two economies. There's the day economy and there's the night economy, right? And we need both for the city to function properly. And if people are frightened to come out because of the lack of Gardaí on the streets, like you mean, there's a huge problem there then in, in our beloved Fox City. And we get accused here in this programme of, of maybe hyping up what's going on out there, but... I keep saying to people, we don't need to hype it up. The stuff we get reports of every day and every night, uh, two thirds of which we can never use, but 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 it's but it's out there and it's happening. Come here, another, another one there, John. It broke last evening, and I know that you and I have disagreed over this kind of thing before. There was a protest organised. Now there was maybe a half a dozen at it. There was a protest organised outside Paul Murphy's. TD's home last yeah, night. Now, whatever it was yeah. about, I, I don't. I neither know nor care. But yeah. is it fair? Is it ever acceptable to go to somebody's front door like that? Um, in certain circumstances, it is. And I think in this case, Paul Murphy. I mean, and a lot of people were surprised that he actually came out and called the people who are like from East Wallen and other places who are genuinely not racist, PJ, who are just uh, concerned because there was people being brought in. A lot of things during the night, busloads of, of, of people, and a lot of them young single yeah. men, and they were they were perturbed by it. And uh, there's a whole there's a whole there's a whole movement there, but and and so you like, agree but, or disagree but, with but, it according to yourself? But the no, idea but of the bringing thing, something thing, to a man's front door. No, but the, the thing is, like, the Paul Murphy called was the extreme right wing. And then he's, he's one doesn't like him, what went wrong, when people of that ilk turn up outside his door, right? This so it is, is acceptable to go to somebody's yeah, door? Yeah, Paul Murphy, no, remember, that was shoved into a megaphone in Jobstown in Dublin yeah. when the tarnister was inside. I, the I'm car. aware we'll of that, but you're saying, you're saying, go. John, so it is acceptable to go to somebody's door? What is it? Well, I've done it to Michal Martin, like you mean, as the guys to follow, if I know the seller. And people have done the right kind in Dublin. Look, you so must, it is okay to go to somebody's door? You must ask yourself, like, why are people. Would you go to my door, John? You and I have disagreed on things. Would you go to my door? No, no, no. no. You're not a legislator, you see. That's the difference. Like, no more than you should come outside my door. I won't go outside your door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But do you think it's, it's okay to go to, to a front, someone's front door because they're a legislator? Well, definitely. If you if you're if you're doing stuff like that's affecting people on a daily basis and making life tougher, then don't be surprised that the people are not assertive. No, they're not as quiet. And, and what about what about? Hang on. What about his wife and and their newborn child? Well, what about all the? They didn't do this. They they're not part well, of that. What about all the newborn children and the other wives that are suffering because decisions are being made or not being made? People coming on your show there. I mean, with special needs children and everything. And the, the world I'm sick and tired of hearing pages. I had to fight for this page. We had to fight. Yeah, for yeah, that. no, no, I totally agree with you there. Yeah. Totally agree. But I've never yet talked to any um, disability activist or special needs activist. Who's willing to go to anybody's personal front door? Well, you see, the they reason consider they consider it the step beyond. The reason a lot of people don't do stuff like that is because they're, they're so con- consumed with the problem they have that they're not being helped, with, like that they can't do stuff. Or, or, or maybe they realise: go to the person's place of work, go to their constituency office, go to the Doyle, 
their home is their home and when they go in that front door and close that front door they're with their wife they're with their child they're with their dog and you have no business in their driveway but you see, well, I don't like going on people's driveways or, or any property. Actually, I'm the cottage of the property. I don't just, I, I, I totally disagree with that. I'd be raising the family, going in the road, or blocking an exit or anything like that. But silent protest, you must ask yourself, Peter, why are people now doing stuff like that? Just ask well, that it's question. not new. They often did. They all they, they, they did yeah, it before. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't want to wrong you, but I'd say you've done it once or twice. I have you, I have you, and I'll do it again, you know what I mean, because I mean, if I believe it's wanted, I will do it again. Okay, all right. No, I just, I wanted to tease that one out with you, John, because I know you had done it. Thank you, John O'Donovan. But his, his central point is, he sees what he calls a hero worship of Jerry Hutch and the like. And, and is that actually fair? Anne-Marie says a working class area will often rally around someone in trouble and I think that what he did was very clever he shifted then the narrative from his threatening vulnerable drug dealers to him as the saviour of the working class so people would side with him and maybe dehumanise his victims because of his help of the deserving poor it's an old tactic yeah I, I knew somebody from that part of Dublin or near that part of Dublin who said that he wouldn't he wouldn't be asked to put his hand in a pocket in a chipper or in a pub or wherever he went. He was a local hero. And I'm talking nearly 20 years ago. Bernie totally agrees with John. I've been saying it all week. Not just this guy, but other criminals. They're glorified too much nationally and especially American pop stars and film stars, reality people. None of these people have anything to teach you except tragedy. I want to hear from people who can teach me about life. Thank you, Bernie. 0818969696. And, and throw this one out there for what it's worth. You might have seen it. Uh, I don't know what they were there about, and I don't actually care. Um, but I do think, and I wouldn't be someone, I'm sure Paul Murphy and I would probably never be seen having a pint together. We, we probably wouldn't agree on the content of the sports news. But at the same time, I think going to his front door, going to his house, is a step too far. Whether it be Paul Murphy... Leo Varadkar, Simon Coveney, Simon Harris, anyone, you you name it. Do you know? Pierce Doherty, anybody. Pick any... Po- going to someone's front door, for me anyway, crosses an uncrossable line. Your thoughts? 0818 96, 96, 96. Uh, Have you snapped your app yet? Have you downloaded the app yet? If you haven't downloaded, you've got about two minutes to download and snap it. If you have downloaded... Snap it now, stick your name on it to 083 396 96 96. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM. Yeah, okay. John, in fairness to him, cottoned on to it. I got to open my post this morning. It's lovely to get post. We don't get a whole pile of it these days. It's nearly all email and stuff. But, but I got to postcard this morning uh, it doesn't say well it does but I don't know who BP is um, but from 2009 there was an event in the early hours of the morning it was part I think of the Midsummer Festival in 2009 and the photographer Spencer Tunick Google his work if you've never heard of him but he gathers hundreds of people starkers in the small hours of the morning in all sorts of strange places and takes photographs. 
and someone, some very kind person, got a postcard from Blarney Castle and sent me a picture of the photo shoot. Uh, there was about 1,100 people there, and I'm there among them. Do I spot myself? Not a hope, I don't. But, yep, was that a load of people, says Kate, where people went naked, the arty picture, that's right. Was it Blarney Castle, says Maeve, it was. Uh, Tomas, Blarney Castle. Margaret, was it when you'd done the skinny dip? No, that was another one. Trust me, after that skinny dip, uh, there was nothing to show, shall we just say. <laughs> it's freezing. Charity cycle, says Hall. You mean the naked charity ride? No, 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 no. Uh, no, it wasn't. But that's it. Thank you for that. Whoever sent that in, I'm eternally grateful to you. I really am. 0818 96 96 96. It's time to give away more free money. Snap the app. Only on Cork's 96 FM. Okay. Leah was yesterday's winner with Lorraine. It's my mother's 50th birthday this weekend. This down weekend. In Killarney. You're all off to Killarney. Is there a gang of you going? Uh, 30. 30 of you going to Killarney? <laughs> oh yeah, God. I have to drag them all in. <laughs> well, I think you've just won the Best Daughter in the World award and Elaine is about to have a very good 50th birthday because Leah, you are now 500 euro richer. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. I'm absolutely delighted with that now. Thank you. Sarah, would you care to be next? Oh, my God, PJ. I'd have it spent before it goes into my account. <laughs> well, well we, got your, we got your screenshot. So, you are in the draw. Unreal. Thank you so much. In Glenmire, what would you do? Well, have you something coming up or have you just got uh, bills you know to pay? My, I, I, have three, I have three boys. They're for ages four and under and two of them actually need to be updated to booster seats rather than car seats. So kind of boring adult stuff like that and yeah. maybe a night away with what's left over. Those booster <laughs> seats are not cheap. They're not known. They should change seats so often. So yeah, the boring stuff, we definitely get a night away or something. Oh, that'd be friends. great. Yeah, those seats. And I, since since my kids were small, it's all changed. You need a degree in engineering to put the flipping things in. Oh please! No, I couldn't put a puzzle together, so it's just not my um, it's not my forte at all. I'd have to get someone else to do it, but they're they're tricky things, all right. <laughs> all right, yeah. well, we'll see if we can start it for you with you're the draw with Lorraine. The saving is after six, Thanks, Sarah. Thank you, PJ. You're very good. Thank you. You're welcome. Snap the app on Cork's ninety six FM. Next time, Simon will do two qualifiers this afternoon. Lorraine will do another one, and then the draw is after six. Snap the app only on Cork's 96 FM. Having a lot of fun with it. 500 euro a day to be won on Snap the app. Now, the Cabinet is meeting today, and they're going to be signing off on a whole bunch of stuff to um, what they say will help with the housing crisis and building and all of that. There's a few schemes on the table. We'll, we'll know more when it all goes through. But one thing that is out there is the first home scheme. And Joey Sheehan, uh, author of The Mortgage Course and a co- Coach and, of course, head of credit at mymortgages.ie. Joey, explain this to me. It's out there and people like you were saying it's a good scheme. But the problem is it's about as clear as mud to understand it. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. So, um, yes, there's, there's a couple of excellent schemes uh, the government have for first-time buyers um, for new housing. Now, just to clarify as well, the first home scheme, a first-time buyer will qualify for that, but also a separated or divorced person, uh, they, under the restart, the definition of first-time buyer has changed. So divorced and separated people are also included in this if they're buying a new home. 
which is good news for them. Now, um, it was floated by the minister back at the end of April also that this scheme uh, could apply to second-hand homes also in the instance where I'm renting a property, the landlord is selling, I, I receive a notice to quit, and if I'm able to get a mortgage and buy that same property, um, then the the first home scheme uh, could apply in that in that instance, which would be not only for first time uh, for new homes, but potentially for for second hand homes in that instance. Mm. Now, I suppose the first home scheme, um, PJ, is it's a shared equity scheme, really, right? So it's not free money is the first thing. So if I'm buying a house for, we'll just say in the example I gave there, three hundred thousand, right. I can, if I'm a first-time buyer, I've been separated, I've been divorced, I can potentially get 30% of that um, purchase price, which would be 90000 based on 300000 and the the council will effectively give me a loan for 90000 I get my mortgage of 210 from the bank, which is 300 in total, I make my monthly repayments on my mortgage, uh, and then with regard to the first home portion, the bank will own 30% of the value of my home, so if that's house begins at 300 if it goes up to 400 they'll own 30 percent of 400 if it drops to 200 they'll own 30 percent of 200 so it's 30 percent of whatever the value is so fast forward 10 years time i sell it for 400,000. the council would take um up to 120,000 uh f- from from the so, screen. well n- not the council but just the, to pause the you for a second it. joey so you'd have your mortgage of whatever it was and then you're under your first home scheme. We'll say you're entitled to ninety thousand. You have to make repayments on your mortgage from day one. Do you have to make repayments on the ninety thousand? No, you don't. So interest interest is applicable. So for the first five years, it's interest free, and then from year six to fifteen, I think it's one point seven five, and it increases to around two and a half. I think mm. after year fifteen, but that compounds up. So basically, you owe more in the background, but you don't have to make monthly repayments on it. Okay, so of that 90,000, you, you, you won't ever have to pay any of it back until, and, and it increases with interest, until you go to sell the house, correct? Correct, correct. Um, and now you can make um, payments towards it to try and reduce it if you had excess funds. But I suppose the benefit of this, um, PJ, is that in the example I gave, buying for 300,000, you get a mortgage of 210. Those same people, if they were relying on you know their own cash deposit or maybe the help to buy scheme, they could probably buy a house for roughly two hundred thirty five thousand, and borrow ninety percent to be roughly or just on just over two hundred ten thousand. Whereas with this scheme, they can actually buy for up to three hundred thousand, maybe even a little bit more if they had deposit. Mm. So it is an excellent scheme, and it's bringing people you know up you know fifty to a hundred thousand more in terms of what they can buy. Yeah. And I'd be I'd be delighted um if the, the government brought in what was floated in terms of this applying to second hand homes okay. uh, in the case where the tenant receives a notice to quit. What is to stop a developer, Joey, jacking up prices because they know I can get money like this? Well I suppose you know the price prices are at a level they're probably which is a good thing, they're probably leveling out um so the market will determine you know what, what a developer can so a developer can't just go and add a hundred thousand onto the value of a property because people will see through that they just won't pay it so i think prices have probably you know probably hit a peak they're probably leveling out which which is a good thing for mm-hmm. for home buyers and i think the market in general the, the long-term sustainability 
So uh, it could cause some price inflation, but I don't think it, you know, developers would be, you know, I think we need new housing. This is going to help, um, you know, so I, I don't think developers would be taking advantage okay. like that as such. Okay. Um, and it is, it is an excellent scheme just as well. It can be used in, in tandem with the first homes, the help to buy scheme. So in the example I gave. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If, if you qualified for 30000 under the Help to Buy scheme, which is, it is free money, really. It's tax you've paid. You do, do not have to repay it. So if you were getting 30000 under the Help to Buy scheme, that would mean instead of getting 90000 under the first home scheme, that would be reduced to 60000 So it can be used together with the, the I see. Help to Buy scheme, but the total amount would be the same between the two. Yes, yes, I see. It's the first time we've had a chance to talk, Joey, since the... Um, end of the eviction ban last month and also the, the central bank have relaxed their, their mortgage rules in January. What's, what's your view on the two of those things taken as one? Will they improve things or make things worse, particularly the end, end of the eviction ban? Well, I suppose like the, the end of the eviction ban, like for for a, a lot of people renting um are looking to buy so a lot of these people are potential home home buyers so if we'll just take take a, a small sample an example of we'll take a, a you know a small town and let's just say there's 100 people renting and there's 100 people uh, landlords we call them letting out the properties let's just say if the eviction ban nobody could sell those properties but let's say if if half of the landlords which, which it sounds like there's a huge proportion of landlords selling so let's say if 50 properties become available for purchase based on the eviction ban ending out of the 100 people renting potentially 50 of them could end up buying the properties so in terms of home buyers having more properties available to uh, purchase is a good thing for home right, buyers right, right. Um, it also I suppose landlords are a, an integral part of the housing uh, supply and you know I remember I worked as an auctioneer previously and when you were selling property, properties in a new development there was a good large proportion of them would be sold to investors and they would let out these properties and, you know, that would service people that wanted to rent. So we need, we can't just rely on some, you know, multinational funds, you know, building student apartments or, or social housing, that type of thing. We need, you know, people, you know, the average person potentially having a rental property yeah. is good because the transient population and people who are maybe studying or, or, or in their first job need somewhere to live. So, you know, it, it, it's having arbitrary um 
you know, restrictions can can, can be difficult, and and it's 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 pushing people out of the market. You know. Okay. And lastly, this thirty percent. Come back to the first home scheme. This thirty percent that you get. Supposing you were lucky enough to come in, because you'll never really own your house a hundred percent. I would say if this is there, is you sharing it with the government? Can you, if you come into money, pay off that thirty percent? If someone left you money, for example. Yes, you can. You can reduce it. Um, I don't have the exact detail of that, okay. but yes, you can make payments okay. towards it to effectively um, reduce the, the, the equity portion for, of the council. Right. I presume there'd be a revaluation at the point in time that you're paying it off, and whatever amount you pay would come off the the, the equity portion of the the government. Right. Okay, Joey, thank you very much. The information is there, and, and of course, go, you can go to someone like yourself at any time. Uh, to to get clarity on how they work. That's uh, Joey Sheehan, Head of Credit at MyMortgages.ie and author of The Mortgage Coach. It is out there. It's a scheme that he says works and works well. I don't know anybody who's used it. But there'll be more announced then today, later today, by the government as to what they intend to do to try to ease the housing crisis. So look, whatever they decide at Cabinet today... They will trumpet it as if it's the discovery of a new miracle cure. The opposition will do what opposition does. It will oppose. And you'll have another shouting match over the next 24 to 48 hours as to whether anything that the government announces today would be any good. But there's Joey Sheehan telling us that this scheme that's already in place actually does work and works quite well. Coming up, we've talked about... Crohn's disease on the programme before and other such related illnesses. But I'll be talking to Victoria in just a second. And she, her Crohn's disease was discovered, I think, in the most bizarre way I've ever heard. Next. Cork's 96FM invites you to run the Cork City Marathon Sunday, June 4th. Whatever you do it for, be part of this summer's favourite feel-good event. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie for Sunday, June 4th. Do it now. Do it now. With Cork's 96FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96FM.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. So, Victoria Spillane, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thank you for having me on. Delighted. I'm particularly interested in one element of your story, and we'll talk about Crohn's disease and, and all of that. But am I right in saying that, yes, you had had trouble with your tummy as a kid, but your Crohn's disease was discovered when you were, what, 13? 13, yes. PJ, I'm one of those people that would be deemed as a medical mystery the best of times. Um, I So I had gastroenteritis when I was two and I was admitted into St. Finbar's Hospital. Um, but, you know, back then, it was 1987, there was the technology probably wasn't as good or anything. I don't know to, to for certain if that was the start of everything, yeah. but I always had health issues then as time progressed. I was one of those kids who would get everything, um, chicken pox, mumps, flus, everything, tummy bugs. So my immune system was never the strongest. Um, and then I ended up getting, um, it all started basically the, the kind of diagnosis with pain in my joints, pain in the end of my back. Um, and the story kind of just went from there, all the other typical Crohn's yeah. disease symptoms. Yeah, the, in. yeah when well, I now, in. there's a thing about Crohn's disease. I would never have thought that a pain in your knee and in your lower back mm. could be a symptom of Crohn's disease. Absolutely. 
That's it, because there's people always generally think of Crohn's disease, people who know about inflammatory bowel disease, you know, the tummy pain, the diarrhea, the vomiting, um, fatigue, weight loss, which, of course, I got and other people would get. But yeah, mine started with, with joint pain is actually what is very common symptom of Crohn's disease as well. Right. Um, and I think you, you hear of it a lot more nowadays. It, yeah. It's the joint pain. And some people I've been asked, because a lot of people will come to me to ask questions and saying, they'd say, oh, I've got a pain in my joints. Is that normal? And think that is actually relatively normal nowadays for Crohn's. Which yeah. is weird, isn't it? Because it's, it's a stomach ailment or it's a, an, an ailment of the digestive tract. It is, exactly. But it just goes, like, it, it's an autoimmune disease at the end of the day, so it can affect a lot of different areas, even your eyes. I would have had episcleritis in my eyes, which is inflammation of the eye. So mm. I even had that growing up as well, yeah, yeah. And you can get different rashes, and it affects, it, it, it's not just the tummy, it affects the whole body. And you can have hair loss and everything with a PJ. Yeah, it can be quite severe. That's amazing. I, I would never have, have guessed mm. any of that, because when I read a piece about you, and I said, hang on a second, it began with pain in the knee. Crohn's mm, disease, yeah. like the geography's all wrong. <laughs> that's it. And that's what made it difficult to even for my, like I was going to the GP for a full 12 months before a gastroenterologist um, actually saw and diagnosed me because I was very active. I was playing sports um, and my GP kept saying, oh, it could be a basketball injury, basketball injury. But then as, as time progressed, as I said, I had excruciating pain in the abdomen Diarrhea could be up to 20 times a day. Um, the wow. weight just totally fell off me. I went down to five stone in weight. Um, fatigue, the whole lot. Now, I kept trooping on. I'm just that type of person where I'm, you know, get up and get on with it, mm. even at a young age. But, um, but yeah, but, but he just kept saying basketball injury. My parents used to keep saying, but it can't be a basketball injury. No, that, that's not making her lose all this weight or running to the toilet or having tummy pain. But back then, IBD wasn't really heard of yeah. as such. Yeah, it's been it, around it, it, a while, but it wasn't. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a patient of the, the, the legendary Professor Shanahan. I am. I am indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I actually work in APC Microbiome Ireland, yeah. which in UCC, which he actually, he was the founding director of. Now he's rec- he's, see, he's since retired, but um, yeah, he actually founded that centre. Right. Yeah. And so you work so, there now. So you're researching into things like Crohn's disease all the time. So I'm actually on the operations team. Um, so I work with all the, these fabulous people that do a lot of work into the microbiome and just, you know, they and looking into different, even new medicines and stuff like that for, for IBD. Um, so it's, it's, if I feel like I've kind of come full circle. I've always wanted to help people. And I think that like I was in social science in the past. I had to give up that, that line of work because I was looking after people when I needed care myself. So I had my large intestine fully removed. 12 years ago and I've got an ileostomy bag now and it was then that I decided like uh, Crohn's has completely changed my life in so many different ways because I had to rethink a career I mean I went to college for four years I had to I couldn't continue to work in that because I had to you know rethink after my surgery Professor Shanahan always said work with your mind if you can and not with your hands Um, and then I you know so I had to rethink a career did a master's in public health and epidemiology to go into health research. Um, and that was just my, my, that was a different way that I felt that I could help others. Why, is, you, why is your bag called gynae? It's called gynae because when I was growing up, my grandmother, my, who's very sadly, uh, she passed away recently. Um, Sorry to hear that. And she'd be, de- she'd be delighted, PJ, if she, if she heard that I was on with you because she absolutely loved to listen to you. So she would be over the moon herself and, and, and her, uh, 
her beloved sister as well, Tessie, they would be absolutely over the moon. Um, so she was going to Michael Guiney's when I was younger. Yeah. And, you know, I had no interest in, I was young, I had no interest in bedding in curtains and all that. <laughs> so I'd always say, I'm not going in. I'm, I don't want to go in. And I'd stand outside. So when it came to, when I was actually diagnosed at, at so young, I was to actually have my large intestine fully removed then. So the doctors came in. I was you know, scheduled for surgery and they said, um, you know, you'll end up with a bag. And I said, I don't care what it is, just once it's not at Michael Guiney's bag. It was a joke <laughs> that he made. <laughs> um, lo and behold, um, a few years later, when the time actually, because I always knew I'd have to end up getting it removed at some stage, they did save it when I was diagnosed first. They just put me full of steroids and different meds. But it was all, I always knew that the time would come where it would actually need to be removed. So, um that's bad because a lot of people with Crohn's don't have to have that done. They don't, no, because it, it depends on what part of the, the intestinal, which part of the gut you have it. But I was just one of those severe cases from, from day one, unfortunately. Right. How is no, your health now? The same. Up and down, to be honest. Um, it is, so I had, when I got, when I had my surgery 12 years ago, I said, I want to have five years good health. I was like, I don't want to be greedy. You know, I was like, I'm not going to put that out to the universe to be greedy. I got to year five, I was fine. I said, then I, another five years good health would be great. Got to year 10, that was great. Got through year 11 last year. And yeah, I started to have a few issues. Um, I got a few blockages with the stoma um, so that the bag, there was no output going into the bag or anything. Yeah. I was hospitalized um, and I have a hernia by the stoma. So I will have to go down the surgery sounds, probably sounds, again. That sounds like you can get very sore. Yeah. It is. It's, it's incredibly sore because even if I go away for a weekend or anything like that, and if there's any bit of a blockage, it, it, it's in my head to calculate, okay, how can I try and stop this or am I close to a hospital? You know, so I've kind of have to, I've had to go back into the mindset of surviving yeah. now, if anything, if that makes sense, because for the, for the 10 years, I was very well. There was nothing, no medication, no nothing. The cro- Because you're never free of Crohn's. Even though I've had my large intestine removed, the Crohn's can come back in a different part of the gut. Yes. So, t- touch wood. I've just been very lucky so far that I haven't had to go back on medication for it yet. But it's always in the back of your mind. You know, you could have, I could get a cramp in my tummy or something. It's like, is that the Crohn's again? You know, so yes. it's always, it's always live, in the back. Live with that worry all the time. There is a brilliant podcast. We had the, we had the people behind it on when it came on first called Gutcast. Yes. Tell people yes, about that. Absolutely. It's fantastic. So basically, I volunteer with Crohn's and Crohn's Colitis Ireland. So that's the only support organisation within the country um, for IBD. So they, um, so and I've recently been put onto the board of directors as well. So it's which is nice because I can actually have a bit of a say in how can how we can support the people in Ireland with IBD a bit more. You know, um, so they. Year, like my, my thing is that I think it's vital to be educated on all things IBD as much as possible because knowledge is power and a disease like IBD it can make you feel not in control of your body the best of times so I personally found that by knowing what you can it helps to regain part of that control that's lost so I always felt whatever resources are available look up years ago people would have been looking up you know different medical journals or anything just reading papers things like that whereas nowadays it's all about podcasts mm-hmm. so Crohn's Colitis Ireland decided that a podcast is an easy way for people it's a, it's a very easy resource to avail of yes. you know it could be on the go things like that so it's basically a podcast um, the new episode is out most recent um, on the futures of IBD care so it's different people it could be you know people 
patients with their own journeys, speaking about them, um, their loved ones, because I think people forget that it's the families and the caregivers as well that are all part of this journey. Um, it's not just the patient themselves as well, it is the families. Um, so you'd have families on it and you'd have different clinicians, scientists, all that. Yeah. Um, so it is, a, it is a fantastic resource. And as I said, it's a very easy one to use as well. It's a good um, point that you make there though, Victoria. Them, yeah. Crohn's really is a disease. If it's serious, it, it can affect the whole family because if you're going away for a mm-hmm. weekend or a night away, mm-hmm. the plans, you have to bring stuff for yeah. your bag yeah. and that kind of thing. I do. Absolutely. And I mean, I've often had times where the bag is leaked, you know, and I always have to think of, you know, even getting a parking space that's wide enough. So if I had to pull over to try and change the bag, you know, just as quick as possible in, in, a, in a wide space, you know, things like that. Or it could even be for someone who doesn't have a bag, who might just have, who might just need to use the toilet a lot. You do have to plan out if you're going on a long journey in a car or whatever it might be. Okay, where's the nearest... Yeah. stop where I can go to the toilet, you know, can, things like that. Can you eat a regular diet? Fact, um, I have to be very careful with the likes of seeds, nuts, um, anything that won't break down. Sweet corn, I, I call it the devil food um, because I will be up in A&E within a matter of, I'd say, of an hour if I ate something like that. Really? Fully, I'd be fully blocked, yeah. It happened to me, actually, I had the stoma three months. I ate a chicken burger, never thought about the seeds on the bun and it blocked for 16 hours. What, so the little, the little seeds on a burger bun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was bizarre. crazy. So any time now that I go out, if I was there at my partner Mark or anything like that, I'd have to, you know, if we both got a burger and if there were seeds, I'd say, can I have the bottom of yours? So then he's getting filled with the seeds. So he loved the two tops of the buns and I love the two bottoms. It's amazing. It's, stuff, it's amazing like to think. And yeah. the, the seeds on the top, of, t- take a Big Mac, the seeds on top of Big Mac just wouldn't fill yeah. a teaspoon. No, it's just that they just tend to kind of clump together, and oh. that I won't. Wow. They won't. They won't come through. As they'll eventually come through, but it'll, it'll be very painful and a long process. Yeah. Okay. So okay. it's those things up, that they, they, they swell up. Yeah, they do. They do. They, they do. do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's. Um, I've learned my lesson that way. All right. Good. If anybody, and there are lots of people living with Crohn's and IB, at IBD at various levels. Some mm-hmm. of them very mild. Some of them very serious. Godcast is where you'd recommend them to go. Absolutely, I really would because, as I said, it's such it's an easy resource to to, to actually um, use, and there's all different. It's not just the one person speaking all the time. It's as I said, it's all different journeys from you know the, the patients to the caregivers to the the clinicians um, to IBD nurses to people even working within AI you know, for different um, IT services going forward that could even help with diagnosis and things like that. So it is, I, I, I've even, like, even though I, I volunteer with CCI, I've actually listened to these as well myself, especially in the last 12 months when I've kind of ran back into a little bit of trouble again myself. Well, I wish, um, I, I, wish so, I wish, you well yeah. and I hope that the, the, the little bit of trouble doesn't develop into anything more serious because you, you've been through the mill and back. Thank you. Victoria Spillane. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083 This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Fox 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96FM. 
818-96-96-96. Again, I bring back to you that story that's in the news, which we kind of already knew, but to have it confirmed, I think, makes it even worse. We kind of already knew that we are paying the highest price in all of the EU, in all of Europe, for our electricity right now. Double the average, the lowest in the EU, 9.2 cent per unit. We're 49.9 cent, five times the price of what they're paying in Hungary. And the average, the average is 28 cent, which is about half what we're being paid. We're being absolutely fleeced, lads. Fleeced. Even with the couple of quid we get knocked off the bill by the government. Slaughtered, we are, uh, by the electricity um, charges. And that's confirmation, if ever there was, from the Household Energy Price Index. So, kind of confirmation of what we already knew. Your thoughts are welcome. Do I want Now, so here's a story from West Cork of a young man called Aidan Bork, whose best friend, Rian, died by suicide in February of last year. And the first anniversary of that tragedy passed this February. And Aidan, who does a bit of songwriting and even a bit of recording under the name Borky, sat down and wrote a song. And that song has gone global. Absolutely global. It's 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 amazing. Here's a quick snatch of it. It's called We Ain't Mad At You. Once upon a time, not too long ago, back when everyone was happy and could live life slow. Everything just took a turn for the worse. I couldn't comprehend seeing my friend in a hearse. And if you're wondering what happened, I am as well. Cause everything just blackened, so now I just dwell. Always the ones that you least expect to think their life's too hectic And the only antiseptic is to take their own life And it just ain't right, don't disrespect it And please don't ever neglect it Cause you never really know how much deep inside they suffer Mama always said don't judge a book by its cover I lost my friend to a suicide I wish he never died When the news broke a whole town cried It took some strength to make it The pain I'll never shake it Time makes you stronger so you know that we ain't mad at ya called it we ain't mad at you we'll put the whole song up on our twitter so people can have a full listen to it borky joins me i remember in my djing days aiden there was a tupac song called i ain't mad at you that's for inspiration yeah it was a popular song when i when i was doing the the jocking around the place yeah yeah you know see i absolutely love tupac and like some of his lyrics which is really meaningful to me and they were at that time so that's why i chose to sample them Sure, sure. Tell me about about Rian. So, I met him there in like 2021 through school in St. Brogan's. Yeah. And then, um, you know, uh, that November, or no, December, my mother contracted COVID and she was put on life support for 78 days. Right. And we were told a few times that, you know, she she might die tonight. Like. Right. But um, every morning, Rian was there with a smile on his face asking me, you know, how's it keeping? I tell you that things are going to get better, like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you developed a really strong bond in that time, yeah? Yeah. 
And you've no idea what happened to him? No, it was just it just happened one morning. Like he, I suppose he just got out of bed and he went away. Just like that. Yeah. And there was no warning or nothing. I'll be talking to his to his mom in a minute, but no warning or nothing. Nah. Yeah. What kind of a fellow was he? Oh, he was just he was just a rogue. Like he was just a really funny guy, nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Good you company. Know. Yeah. Dragged you through your mum's, helped you, guided you through your mum's illness. He could do nothing for you but be there, and that's what he did. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you wrote the song in memory of him. There's a gorgeous singing voice on that, doing a backing vocal. The voice that's of right. ND Nicole Desmond. Hi, yeah. Hi, Nicole. Hi, PJ. Hi, Aiden. Thanks for having me this morning. It's a go- gorgeous collab between the two of you. It's really lovely. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you. And I was honoured to be part of such a powerful song and a powerful message. How did you get involved? Um, well, I, I've been um, involved in music for a while, but I suppose I only started uh, recording and, and writing as of the last year. And um, I, I usually record with M5 Studios, Coco. Yeah. And I went one day to uh, record some of my own music and Coco showed me Berkey's song and I was just blown away um, by the song, by the lyrics um, and it was something that um, he had asked that I want to collaborate on and I just said absolutely and we just got stuck into it from, from that day and, yeah. and that was it. Your two voices work really well together actually in the mix. Who who mixed it guys? Because it's a super job. Yeah, that would be Coco at M5 Studios. Yeah, super job. Lovely, lovely job. Now, how did healing to the max become involved because that's why it's gone totally global yeah so um Saoirse Reen's mother was uh, getting support I believe from these uh, zoom calls uh, on the internet for you know grieving with suicide yes and uh, she showed the the group the song and they just immediately fell in love with it right and they've taken it up now and it's one they're, they're using it as part of an awareness campaign yeah wow that's absolutely fantastic. And when you sat down to you, you only wrote it what? You wrote it in February. No, I was writing this. You know, I had a few drafts of it done. You know, sure. starting over and everything. Sure, sure. The the, the the line we ain't mad at you, like yeah. Would you? Do you do you ever? You probably do, Bucky. You probably you probably like wake at night. Do you wondering why? and did that yeah of course like you know but um, you know of course like there, there's no point in being angry with him over it you know that's a good point like he he probably done unfortunately what he thought was right like so yes. we just so we imagined him like he thought he'd no other option at the time yeah yeah and you couldn't be you couldn't be mad at someone like that that's that's what I love about that, that's what I love about the song actually it's kind of it's the kind of thing you think of you couldn't, but you could. How could you be? How could you be mad at someone when they felt themselves they had no other option? Like exactly. Okay. Congratulations on the success of it so far. It's a lovely piece of work. As I say, we will share the full link on our social media, so be able to kind of a full listen to it. And it's on Spotify right. and it's all the usual platforms as well. Hi, right, thanks a million. No worries. It's called "I Ain't Mad at You." Uh, we am um, well. No, it's called "We Ain't Mad at You." It's inspired by Tupac's "I Ain't Mad at You." That's uh, Borky who wrote and recorded the song, and Nicole Desmond ND who does the backing vocals. We'll find out more about Healing to the Max and Rian, the lad behind it all. I'll talk to his mom, Sirsha, after the break. 
Snap the app on Cork's 96FM is your ticket to free money. Free money. Can I get a woohoo from you because you are now 500 euro richer? Woohoo. Ah, come on, you can do better than that. Woohoo. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'm sure they have. You are now 500 Woo! euro Thank you so much. Download. Step one. Download the Corks 96 FM app to your phone. Step two. Snap a screenshot. Step three. What's up in to win? What's up in to win? Stay listening from 6 a.m. weekdays for your chance to play. Take me where you are. Snap the app. To win free money. We've still got thousands to give away. On Cork's 96 FM. So I'm joined now by Saoirse Brown, mom of Rian, uh, who inspired that song. Uh, Saoirse, first of all, my 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 sorrow and my, my condolences on, on your loss. It must still be very, very painful, even though it's over yeah. a year ago. Terribly painful. My, my, my sincere condolences to you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just want to say hi to Aidan and thank you for going on again, Aidan. Because I know we got a lot of attention yesterday and today is a difficult day. So I know it's um, it's really good that the song is getting out there. Yeah. But also just that it is, it's really hard as well, you know, that all the stuff is coming up. and But the song, the song is only, I don't even know how to put into words how healing the song is. Yeah. Tell, um, me, tell me about your wonderful boy. How do I... How can you how can you put Rean into words? He's just an amazing, an amazing, happy fella. Just always caring, loved life, loved helping people. It just came naturally to him. Rean was just Rean was just Rean, always smiling. And uh you know, he was into music, soccer, jujitsu, just his friends, loved his little sister. Yeah, Rian was just a beautiful soul. And have you any idea, or had you any idea that something was going on? No, never, like, no, never. And, you know, it's like, you know, for the, you just don't know. That's the thing. You just don't know. And obviously on that day, he felt like this was the thing that he needed to do. And that's when you get caught up in your brain, you get caught up in negative thinking. And it's like, how how do we help people when they're in that moment now to kind of go, okay, I'm caught up in negative thoughts. This isn't real. Mm-hmm. These, these are thoughts that are taking over that, you know, and I feel by Aiden's song, it's like, okay, there's, there's healing in the words, like that a 15-year-old boy, Aiden, is after putting into words yeah. what what adults but we can't we can't we can't put that into words ourselves, you know. Yeah. I'll never know why Rian did it, but I won't I can't focus on that and anyone that has been affected by this. You know, or even if people do know that someone is suicidal and they still lose their loved one, there's still nothing that you could have done, do you know, yes. and it's it's yeah. like you try your best. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, how how do you help the people around you that are left behind by suicide? Do you know, that the, you know, sometimes there, I think, even in 20 years' time, if someone contacts me and be like, oh, I have a story about Rian, I'm going to want to hear that story in 20 years' time. 
I'm going to want to know everything about Rian for the rest of my life. Yes. Do you know, so it's like if you are somebody that lost somebody to suicide a long time ago and this is bringing up, oh, I remember this person, I remember this, maybe their family would want to hear this. All you can do is reach out and either go, hey, would you like a story about whoever? And they'll go, yeah, I'd love it, or maybe not today. So it's like we just have to keep honouring the person that we lost. Yes, yes. And we have to keep helping each other, no matter how much the time has gone by. A tragic, like it's traumatic loss. It changes how your brain works. It changes how you function. And then, you know, having tools like aid and song as a tool to use, like, you know, writing. So, you know, I write now try and, you know, try and help or whatever. No one gets to see what I write. I can burn it or whatever. Yeah. But it actually changes the neural pathways of your brain. Do you know, so you're... Teaches you're, you organize. You organize. Is it journaling or do you, do you just... Or just of, writing or, yeah. yeah, journaling or writing something down or scribbling something. So that, that kind of rewires the brain. Right. And it because your neural pathways get broken by trauma. And then that's what the... The constant loop of negative thinking sure. you can get trapped in that sure. but Aiden here is after writing a whole song now I don't think I'll ever be able like Aiden to write a song or anything you know we can't compare ourselves to Aiden now guys because it's amazing what he's done but you know just I don't know it's just to learn tools on how to get through something like this now, and how do we talk about it it was you brought the song to the attention of the people at Healing to the Max. But tell me about yeah. Healing to the Max, because it's a new one on me. They're founded by uh, a Canadian yeah, a healing, couple. Yeah, Canadian couple. Healing to the Max, Jill Cowan. Um, I've forgotten everyone's names. I'm sorry, my brain is fried yeah. today. Yeah, and there's a few others. So that's actually where I learned as well, like how the writing is so important. Um, so Healing to the Max, their son was called Max and they lost him by suicide so they set up this organisation and I think I actually found it through Instagram I don't even know how I feel like Rian kind of like guided me towards them and then I did online meetings for 12 weeks with them with a closed group so there was just parents or grandparents or a caregiver of somebody that um, died by suicide so yeah and they use like yeah, it's it, they're a very good organisation. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for this group, mm-hmm. um, and for my own counsellor as well. But um, yeah, you just found them. You found them on Instagram. I found them on Instagram. Yeah, you're thinking <laughs> so maybe, maybe Rian pointed you to them. Yeah. I do, and it was odd because I think maybe I might have been their first international person that they'd done done it with. I'm not sure. I could be wrong. But yeah, check them out. Healing to the max dot org. They're unbelievable resource and even follow them on Instagram or whatever Visco or whatever all there's so many now that the young people be using but they have like there's other links then I found there's, you know there's good there's good resources there so Brilliant. it's always trying to find something that works yeah now you you know when, when you said gave them the song mm. they're now going to put that into a global campaign yeah they're going to start using it um in their campaign, which is amazing, it just shows like the power of the power of writing, the power of music. Like Rian loved music; mm-hmm. music was his thing. Rian, he played a Rian, lot of instruments, did he, Sirsha? He did, yes. Oh, yes. So he plays. I did forget one yesterday. It was the ukulele. So he played the concertina, 
with nice. Tommy O'Leary. Shout out to Tommy. And um, he was in the Kjoltis as well with Mirren. He did the fiddle with her. And then he turned his fiddle sideways because he loved Oh Brother Where Art Thou? And he right. wanted the banjo. So he got the banjo, concertina, tin whistle. He learned the guitar and he went into first year in Brogan's. There's such a good school. And with his music teacher, Niamh, he picked up the guitar then in school and he could just play it like, straight away. And um, tin whistle he did with Jarrah Wolf in Balnacarga National School when he was tiny. Yeah. Juniors and seniors. Ukulele, mandolin. Like he knew how to play the banjo because he knew how to do the fiddle. I don't know how he did it. Such he was a amazing. gift. So talented. Such a gift. Mm. Yeah, taught himself the pogues in the lockdown with the CD by playing by ear. Yeah, well, he, he played the record and learned the songs by ear. Crikey. Yeah, he had the CD like, and he had a CD as well, <laughs> a CD player. Yeah. And I keep forgetting to tell Eden that he loves NWA and Tupac, and he had them on CD. That's why it's not on his Spotify playlist. <laughs> so, because yeah, he was into his old school then, into his CDs. He loved Jimi Hendrix when he was tiny. Um, like eighties like music as well. He loved Queen. Mm. I don't know. Like his his playlist on Spotify is just so random. It's just so Brilliant. And uh, Spirit in the Sky is another song he loved as well. Funnily, Johnny Cash. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you you were you were obviously very close as as, as mother and daughter, weren't you? Or mother and uh, son, mother. The mother and son, rather big part. Mother and son, you were very, you were very close. Yeah, we were very close. Yeah, we were very close. Like so, you know, I talked about Rian. Rian talked to me about everything. I knew loads of all his, all his friends were up to and everything. I said, I don't even think I know the half of it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was, he was a sweet little kid. You know, we talked. I was always open about. Like talk about feelings and you know I I studied youth and community work in UCC so I learned about you know just like theory of counselling and stuff on that course so I think everyone needs counselling so I'd always be talking about feelings and you know and if you I think everyone in my opinion does need counselling but maybe maybe you'll go to a counsellor and it'll be crap and you'll never give it a go again but it's like if you go to a mechanic and they're crap you find a new mechanic so, like, if you go to a concert or crap, try another one, do you know? Yeah. There's hundreds. There'll always like, be one that'll get you. Yeah, do you know? People are just people, whether they're a therapist or a mechanic or a dentist. You're always trying out new, you know. If you're not happy with your dentist, you go to a different one. Yeah. I think because if you're not happy with your counselor, go to a different one or therapist or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Or even a group, you know, you don't have to go into, sit down, you could do a walking group or something. Mm. Teenagers, they don't, they, they seem to keep, they do clearly keep stuff bottled yeah. within them. And yes, Aidan's got this gift. Rian had yeah. this gift to express himself through music. Yeah. Aidan has expressed himself through music. Yeah. Wouldn't it be wonderful if they just. If well, they I just think talked. they can use this song, and it's like, you know, young people. They've got a lot to give, you know. We've got a lot to learn off them. Yes. But they just need help and tools around how do you manage your emotions. You don't learn that in school. You know, you don't learn, none of us learn it, even as adults. Well, how can we teach the young people about how to deal with our emotions if we don't know how to? Do you know what I mean? Ain't that the truth? So it's like, 
how about maybe we sit down and listen to this song with our young people or do you know, and kind of go, okay, actually this is this is how I felt from listening to this song or how do you feel about it or, mm. do you know, it's just how do we teach ourselves, yeah. you know, about how to deal with emotions when you don't learn that in, yeah. you don't learn that anywhere. Middle, you don't learn middle, it middle teens are, they're a difficult time. You remember yours, I remember mine. You know, we're, yeah. we're, our, our, our heads were probably all over the place half the time, but yes, there is wisdom in there and we as yeah. older adults need to try to sift through what's going on and see the wisdom because there is a lot of wisdom there. Yeah, there is. And it's like maybe we need to try and remember how we were as teenagers because we're like trying to be, we're trying to be adults remembering what it's like to be a teenager. That's yeah. hard, you know. It is very hard. It is very hard. And it's like to remember that, you know, it is the hardest times of their lives. But yet they're kind of, sim- it can be simplistic as well because it's so in the moment for them. But yeah. like if you're really stuck in a difficult place, just kind of go, okay, the next moment can be different, but how how do we, you know, learn it, learn the tools to make the moment be different? Is yeah. it writing? Is it talking to your friend? Or yeah. is it going out smashing a plate in the back garden? Or, do you know what I mean? It's yes. like, how do we... It can be anything, do you know? Yeah. How are you doing now, Tisha? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It changes from moment to moment. Do you know... I could be grand here now. I'm just, I don't know. It's, I don't really know how I'm doing. I'm just functioning. I'm doing the best for my daughter. Mm. I've got good support from friends. I live in an amazing community. Like everyone in the village in Ballonine, I'd be lost without the support from my community and my friends. And Shun is in a good little school. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, you can't really say on, radio really how I'm doing. No, 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 no. <laughs> and that's a curse, am I? No, that's okay. But you know what? If you did, I wouldn't blame you. You know, some some moments I'm totally fine. I see, you know, I try to just live and Rian's honour and live with him day by day and mm. I just pray for guidance and help from Rian. That's all I can do. You talk to him all the time, you do? Talk to him all the time, yeah. I always get signs and, you know, I just try and just one foot in front of the other. Yeah. But now I could hang up the phone and go, fuck it all, Lauren. What am I even saying? It's this crap. My life. Is... So. Do you know what? I, and so I'm sure I there's people do that three or four times a day just, just through the problem of talking to me. Sisha, yeah. I, 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 wish, I wish you well. And you know what he did? Mm-hmm. He guided you towards that Instagram. He guided you towards Healing yeah. to the Max. He guided you to bring his great friends... Yeah. Beautiful song to the yeah. world. Yeah. What a day's work. What a day's work was that? Oh yeah. It's horrible that it is this way, but I just like we have to get the song out there more. So how does that work on the radio? You're gonna keep playing it, you're gonna tell all the other DJs to play it. Well what like, we've done now is we're going to we we we're we're sharing it all on our socials and we played a bit of it there at yeah. the at, at the keep top of the show. Playing the song and listen to the song and if you know someone that's suicidal you don't know what to say to them sit down and listen to the song with them you don't actually have to say anything to them just be there yeah. or if you've lost someone to suicide just you know or if you know someone that a family member that lost someone to suicide even if it is 10 years ago 20 years ago just reach out to them you know reach out to them see how they're doing share the song with them okay. you know share the song because this is a con- it's a conversation starter or, or not, you could just sit there in silence after the song and cry, you know. But yeah. the song needs to get out there and 
shared on social media. It's on everything, Spotify, YouTube, all the rest, you know, Apple, everything. So, yeah, thank you for having us on the show today. More more than welcome and and delighted to to speak with you. Stuart Brown um, from... Um, West Cork, mum of Rian, who died by suicide in February of 2022. Her great friend Aidan wrote that song to mark his anniversary, and now it is gone global. 0818 96 96 96. We have shared the song on our socials. It's called We Ain't Mad At Ya by Borky featuring Indy. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Staying with young people for a few minutes, um, a group of transition year students at St. Angela's not far from us here, have come together with an idea to help older people and improve the sense of isolation that uh, some of them feel. They call it Isolated to Integrated. I'm joined by Lucy and by Ellen, and I will be joined shortly by Holly. Lucy and Ellen, hi. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Lucy, talk to me about the project and, and what it's all about. So our project is called Isolated to Integrated and we just really wanted to focus mainly on how the elderly in our society are isolated. We thought it was really important to try raise awareness, not just in society, but especially among teenagers because, I mean, getting older and growing up is something we can all relate to. We'll all be there someday. And as teenagers, I think we do really see the isolation amongst the elderly with elderly neighbours or even our grandparents and I think from what we've seen so far, especially after all our research, we thought it was important to raise awareness because we don't want to be grow up, growing up to that isolation either. You, you all know someone who is lonely. Yeah, uh, exactly. We thought it was a very relatable topic to cover. Yeah. Now, you've got it. I'll come back to you on the coffee morning. You're going on Thursday. But let me bring you in at this point here, Holly. Good morning to you. There's, there's a bit of technology involved. Talk me through it. Yeah, so for the coffee morning, I created a step-by-step technology leaflet accessible online and on paper about how to create an email, how to write an email, and how to do online banking. Um, Our group decided to take the technology arc as back in November, I went to Friendly Call Cork and created a podcast interview with Fiona O'Rourke where I learned all about technology barriers. Right. So the idea of this is that older people are a bit afraid of technology uh, and they don't want to get involved in it because they, they feel they'll get something wrong and therefore because the world is becoming increasingly technological they, they feel more and more isolated and, and you want to try and teach them that it's not as bad as they think Yeah, I, wa- I want to try to like break the technological barriers um, as, like, as you said, we're forever living society so I made the leaflet so we can teach them how to contact loved ones through emailing and the leaflet can also teach them how to do um, online banking. So, for example, pay for the medical bills online, which is detrimental as many public services are moving online. Yeah, they'd be frightened of the online world, wouldn't yeah. they? In terms, particularly when there's money involved. Yeah. So I I use them um, Bank of Ireland as they have like a great like three six five online banking super step by step process. Super. Ellen, um, come back to me on the yeah. what you've done so far. So from developing this as an idea to turn it into the coffee morning you got on Thursday. A lot of work at that. Yeah, so at Christmas time we created about four different designs on Christmas cards with like personalised messages 
And we printed out around 200 of them to send out to the elderly in nursing homes to make them feel a bit loved at Christmas time. We also raised loads of awareness around their school by promoting it through notice boards and presentations. And we also held a bake sale to raise money for the charity alone. We raised around 360 euro. And we also participated in the speak out in the city hall where we presented our project to other schools and shared all our ideas. This is all part of the Young Social Innovators project, isn't it? Sorry? It's part of the Young Social Innovators project. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Now, Lucy, the um, coffee morning is Thursday, and, and who's invited? Yeah. Oh, dear. Sorry. We've organised the coffee morning in our school for Thursday, and we encourage all our TY students to bring along their grandparents, so everyone's invited, really. We just thought it would be a nice social event to get them all together, maybe make new friends, and we can go through the technology leaflet with them then. Okay. And in the leaflet then, clearly, um, Holly, you, you go through what's in the leaflet. You've said that to me. It's about online banking, about email and stuff. Like that. Do you envisage that you maybe sit down with them and teach them how to use an email, teach them how to do a, a payment online? Yeah, so basically on the coffee morning, we're going to have the leaflet also projected on the board and we're going to sit down with our grandparents with like tea and coffee and show them how to use it and how to go through the leaflet. Okay. Good luck to the three of you on Thursday. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. It's, it's, uh, we, we have spoken before with young social innovators from other schools. It's great. It's a great idea. So... Thank you, Lucy and Ellen and Holly, all from St. Angela's. The idea that uh, older people are isolated from this modern technological world. They won't pay online. They're afraid to pay something online, to buy something online because they don't know what's going to happen to their money. They, they don't understand email. They might be able to open it and read one, but they might necessarily not be able to reply. And the idea is the leaflet has been generated with all of these simple tips on it and then good luck with them on Thursday with that um, coffee morning at St. Angeles. It's called Isolated to Integrated. You just get the sense they're onto something, don't you? 0818969696. Let me share a childhood memory with you. When I was a lad, I used to get up on a Saturday morning and I used to cycle my bike down to where that big super value is now. Is it Scallies down there in Black Rock? just there at the end of Skahard Road, that great big super value. Because down there on a Saturday morning, the library used to come. Used to come in a truck. And looking back at the end of the, probably had about 100 books. And I'd read them all. But that was the service that the local library, all we got as a local library in Black Rock at the time was that truck that came on a Saturday morning. And I do remember at the time everyone saying, oh, one day we'll have a proper library down here that you'll actually be able to come any day you want, not just Saturday morning at 11 o'clock and get your books, bring them in and bring them out. It never happened. Douglas got a library, but Black Rock Man, I was amazed to discover, still doesn't have a public library. Neve is a teacher at Skull Ursula. And I don't know, you're probably way too young to remember that library on wheels, Neve. but I'm amazed that Black Rock still doesn't have a permanent one. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, um, I'm surprised to hear that you remember the truck. I, it was never here in my time. I'm in the school eight years now, mm, um, mm. and I always did hear about it, but unfortunately, it's it's not been around for a long, long time, so they don't have any access to a, a library of any sort in yeah. Black Rock, Mahan. I'd have been a young teenager back then, so it's a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Just a short few. A few years ago, exactly. So, 
there is no library in the area. So what are you trying to do with the school? Um, our, unfortunately, PJ, our classrooms are too small to actually facilitate an in-class library. So we have all of these huge um, resources of brand new library books that we're getting through grants. And um, we have sets of novels for the kids, but we have nowhere to put them. They're in storage, they're in, in shelves in a classroom, but there's nowhere to physically sit down and read a book. So we're hoping to build a log cabin on the grounds of the school and set it up as a library with bean bags and, you know, just a nice area that they can go to access to read a book. Excellent. Excellent. I remember libraries in school and you'd, you'd have them down the back of the class and just a couple of shelves. On the, you don't even have room for that, no? No, um, unfortunately we don't. Um, you might you might get a, a small, tiny little corner, but you can barely fit two children into it. And then it's just not feasible to have it in the classrooms. And then the books are getting all mixed up and, yeah. you know, it, they're all squished in together on a shelf. There's yeah. no... During a library, you can see them properly, especially yeah. the children's sections in the city library and Douglas. You can They're order very them well properly. You can set them up. You can display them properly. Exactly, and that's all the joy of a library and the the great joy of one of the most important things you must ever do as a child is learn learn the beauty of a book. So you want you need to raise money for this. How much is going to cost? Um, we're looking at thirty thousand euro in order to get a log cabin that will be sufficient to actually facilitate a class a full class, like our classes would vary from like the most to be 22 children, 24. Um, so to, to facilitate, facilitate that, um, to get it kitted out with electricity, you know, it has to be up to standard. It's not just putting a shed out into the grass. Sure. It has to be done properly. So we have a golf fundraiser this Friday, um, which we're hoping will get a third of the money in. So we're looking at 10,000 by Friday. Okay. Um, we've also set up a GoFundMe trying to get that um, because it's €200 Euro a team for Friday for the golf um, to take part in it. And we have tea boxes for 75 where um, businesses can actually advertise at each tee-off point on the golf course. Right. Um, and that's what we're basically trying to do, is trying to get a library for our students in our school. And is this... This is a stupid question I'm going to ask you anyway. Is the Department of Education not willing to fund a school library facility? It is such a long process, PJ. Like we're, I'm, as I said, I'm in the school eight years now. I was in and out of the school before I was permanent here for two years prior to that. So you're talking 10 years. And in all of that time, I've been hearing about a new bills that we're getting onto the school for additional classrooms okay. with delays or planning permission. And then, you know, you know, you always meet things that don't happen and it's delayed and it's delayed. Yeah. And Our the, planning by the, permission. But the, the time it eventually gets done, you need more. Yeah, exactly. Our prices have gone up, like the way all the materials have gone up in the last two years with everything that's been going on. Our planning permission has only been approved now to start to build in September. So by the time we start going looking for a library, like our children that are here, their children would probably be more than likely back in the school with us by the time we'd have a library if we're going through that. It's, It's not readily available. Basically, it's unfortunately. It's, and it's, it's ridiculous as well. So if it were a thing that you had the money for this log cabin, how quickly could it be done? Oh, within a, like we'd be hoping within a couple of weeks. Like, do you know, however long it takes to order, you know, the way there's some, depending on where you're going, it could take a couple of weeks for it to be shipped in. Um, and then to just to organise the actual logistics of getting the trades people in. Like, that's not an easy job either in itself. You yeah. know, they're... Like 
they're taking a couple of weeks to come to us but like we would be hoping it could be done throughout the summer so that by September we would have it up and running which would be great and do the department put a load of red tape around all that as well do they? It all depends on the size of the log cabin. You know, it, like if you're putting something up in your own house in your back garden, if it's within a certain size, you don't need planning permission. So they're all things that we need to look at as a school. It's not just as simple as get the size we want and put it up in our own grounds. It does have to be looked at from the size of it. But we're hoping that that wouldn't be a huge issue to get yeah. around it. Have you, that it wouldn't take have as you long. public rep support for this, Neve? Um, we're doing it all ourselves PJ like we have teachers out at the moment today going to local businesses around the marina um, just looking for donations and even hampers like you know a couple of the local businesses if they can't give a team they're giving a prize that'll be raffled out on the day so there'll be big prizes on Friday for the winning teams but then there's also spot prizes but we're doing it all ourselves through Facebook, Instagram, word of mouth, emailing. That's basically what we're doing. I'm, I'm thinking in terms of next year, 2024, being a local election year, and there'll be fellas starting to knock on doors uh, into the autumn. Remember us, remember us, remember us. Have you reached out to any of the local representatives or have any of them reached out to you to see can well, they push things a bit? We've tried it for the actual whole area to get the even the mobile library back and we have tried partition, petitioning it and it's just that nothing ever comes out. And then, you know, it, it, you hear of other schools or other businesses that get these things and you're like, how do they get it? And we don't, you know, it just doesn't seem to be something that people kind of think it's really important. You know, you have the City Library, you have the Douglas Library. That's transport to get from Black Rock Mahan. As yeah. you said, you cycled down to the truck when you were younger. Yeah. Like some of our children don't have that luxury. You know, not everybody has the luxury of a car or to get you there safely. And the roads are busier. Yeah. So that's, it's kind of, and all our children do. One of our teachers a few years ago got everybody signed up to the library so that they could. Yeah. So the, 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 the truck is even gone now? Oh, the truck is gone. The truck hasn't been here in the last... 10 years plus. Frankie. In but all the years I'm here, I haven't seen the truck. And it still it's is gone. out there. I know they still do it. Yeah, but it was just taken from our area and we haven't gotten it back. Wow, well, wow. Well, good luck with everything. The Golf Classic is Friday, 28th. That's down yeah. in Mahan, I take it, is it? it? It's in the Lee Valley Golf Club. Oh, it's Lee Valley? Over. Yeah, the Lee Valley. Yeah, one of our, um, one of my colleagues um, was able to set it up for there. So it's, it's going the whole day from, I think, 8.40 in the morning until... Right. Last tee off is at about five o'clock. They, they do great work out there with events. They put on great events, Lee Valley. Yeah, it's fantastic, and there's a meal included. So whatever team is is playing on Friday will get a meal in the evening time. They get a ticket for us, and it'll be running the whole day um, on Friday. But as I said, we have the GoFundMe page as well, trying to get funds in from everywhere just to. Yeah. Well, we'll share that as well through. for you. That would be fantastic, Fiji, if you could. And like even we were saying, even two euro. It might you might think that it's a yeah. small amount, but every two euro adds up, and it's it's oh, to help man. us to help the children. No, it's it's. It, I anyone who knows me knows this is the type of year or the time of year, sort of once the snooker is over and stuff like that. I stop watching television, and from now until September, all I will do to pass time at night is read, and I will put away twenty, thirty books before September, before the telly starts up again. And I got that joy as a small boy cycling down to that library on a Saturday morning to pick up 
Jennings books. You may not even have heard of them. So I can't see how you'd let an entire neighbourhood and all those children without a library. And you know, as, also as adults, there are any children that do have the books. Like when you're teaching children about the love and the excitement about books, like I read an awful lot myself, PJ. I absolutely love it. Same as yourself would prefer to the TV. But trying to explain to the children how your imagination can run away with you and everybody can take a different spin on the exact same book is so hard when they don't have the book. And you know, you know that feeling, Niamh, that when, when a book, you're, you're five pages in and you realise there goes the night, there oh, goes absolutely. the day. You, I have done it. I have stayed up all night to get to the end of a book to find out what happens in it. And yeah. they just don't get that excitement because it's not readily available. Yeah. You know, and probably their parents, like, don't really remember having a library. So it's not even... The excitement isn't there coming from home because we haven't had a library in that long. Yeah. People have kind of forgotten the, the joy of books. All right. Well, no, that that's uh, that's actually scandalous that an area like Black Rock Mahan doesn't have a proper public library. Neve, good luck with everything that you're doing to try and build your own. Thank okay. you so much, PJ, and thanks Cheers. for your time. Thank Cheers. you. Cheers, no, you're more than welcome. That's that's actually scandalous. And don't let anyone inside in City Hall or wherever tell me anything otherwise. That is scandalous that an area the size of Black Rock Man with that massive growing population with so many young people, so many children, doesn't have at least a flipping truck going down on a Saturday. Come here to brighter things before we finish. Wednesday evening, very special Premier League live show. We don't do midweek on this, but this is such a big game that Trevor and the team are getting together with Talk Sport. Live coverage of Manchester City versus Arsenal at 8 on Wednesday. This has been called the Premier League decider. The lads love commentary, analysis and all of the expertise you need. It's a very special Premier League live online with Harvey Norman, your home of the big screen. You're listening Saturday on the Cork, or Wednesday rather, Wednesday at 8, PJ Wednesday, on the Cork's 96FM app or at 96FM.ie. We have some stuff came in on uh, traveller discrimination, which I will get to. I don't think I'll get to it now. Yet on that topic, I worked as night security at a hotel on the outskirts of the city. One night I arrived for my shift. There was a wedding on. The manager told me it was a traveller wedding. He stopped in the music at 12 and then ran off for me to deal with it. In the end, the bride and groom had to argue the toss because they had an arrangement with the hotel that the music could carry on till 230 the rest of the night went off fine. A lot of the wedding parties stayed at the hotel and there were no incidents. I thought it was shocking that a manager would do that, just discriminate, when he found out it was a traveller wedding. Thank you for that. That's about it. Programme edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. We'll talk to you tomorrow, just after nine. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 25th to 27th to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. You make me feel... Every year, we speak to people touched by cancer. So if you've got a story to tell, we'd love you to get in touch. Simply email radiothon at 96fm.ie to find out more. The Giving for Living Radiothon, supporting Cork Cancer Services, May 25th to 27th. You make you make feel only on Cork's 96FM. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.